LBC 97.3. Text 84850. Tweet at LBC 973. This is London's biggest conversation with Steve Allen. Morning, Friday. You're all going, yes, we know it's Friday. We're quite well aware of it's Friday. New listeners will be tuning in going, and so this is what all the excitement's about. The presenter comes on and goes Friday, like we've never heard of Friday before. But it is true, because I didn't think at one point we're going to make it through this week. I thought we were going to drown. I seriously thought the amount of rain that came. And just as we were coming in this morning, the heavens opened a little bit. So I arrived in. Luckily, I'm wearing a hat, so I'm OK. But, uh, sorry, I was chatting away to Duncan, the other side. Because we don't get a chance to talk. I sort of come in, he's doing his programme from the other side of the studio, and then we sort of, we wave, and then and he waves goodbye, and then he sort of toddles off into the night, bless his heart, you know, onto his other job, running one of those hot dog wagons. You'll find him down at Trafalgar Square in about 15 minutes. You know, there'll be somebody phoning up in a minute going, is he really selling hot dogs? It's the kind of, <laughs> it's the kind of thing we elicit at this time of the morning. And, um, and we were talking about the figures and saying how good it is and, you know, how nice it is. But, you know, it's onwards and upwards. That, that was yesterday. Now we're on to today. I didn't think I'd be reading stories about David Beckham, our man in Paris. It's very generous, isn't it? I mean, to give away that much money. But the cynical side of me, and there is a cynical side of me, there has to be in this business, there has to be a cynical side, goes, if you're giving away that amount of money, is that beneficial tax-wise? <laughs> Can you offset it? Because it's a charitable donation. Is he, is he offsetting it through his company? I don't know. He has a company that I think all his money goes into. Now, we all know the benefits of having a company that pays you dividends. But this one, what did I say, between 2002 and 2010 or something like that, it paid him £86 million, which goes, which goes to prove how much money is generated. So £3 million is a, is a mere bagatelle. It's a drop in the ocean. Don't get me wrong. I love people that, uh, that give money to charity. But the cynical side of me goes, that's really good, but... Is, is there a financial benefit? You know, can they offset it? Is it, is it going to be good publicity for Posh? Let me just uh, sign on here. Is it, uh, either way, it's a charity in France that's going to benefit to the tune of three million quid. I'd like to know which charity. I don't know if the papers have named it. I'll have to go through a little bit later on and find out if they've named the charity. Because I thought, oh, maybe we'd have, you know, charities in this country he'd want to give to, children's charities. But whatever the Beckhams do, it's always geared to publicity. It's always geared. You know, people tell you things for a reason. I mean, it could have happened that David Beckham could have donated that money um, without actually without actually mentioning it at all. But because he's mentioned it, it becomes a publicity event. It becomes something to put him on the on the front pages. So Dave goes out in Paris looking like the one who didn't get the job in the Hovis advert with his little flat cap on, always with his head down. And yet they they love publicity. They absolutely milk publicity, all of them. She's very well aware of the benefits of publicity. He's very well aware of how it works. I don't know where it's going. I'm, I'm, I'm seeing an, an end in sight of maybe a knighthood, something like that. And does that mean if he becomes sir, does she become lady? Lady Victoria Beckham. Oh, God. <laughs> the funny thing is, I've said before, I said yesterday on the programme, I mean, she's just, she's working class. The, the only thing posh about her was the fact that her dad, an electrician, used to take her to school in a second-hand Rolls. So they they got this this nickname, Posh. Sporty was sporty. Uh, scary was... Oh, my God, she was scary. Baby is baby, because she just looked cute and she had pigtails and all that kind of thing. They've had to dispense with that now. We can't have anything to do with people wearing pigtails, pretending to be younger. And then I watched the ultimate 
programme yesterday. I mentioned it to a friend of mine who knows about the music side of things. I don't know anything about music. I just remember years ago watching a group called Five. And they're in this uh, ITV2 programme. In fact, strangely enough, no matter which way you look at it, ITV2 has as far more entertaining programmes than ITV1. Because they're putting on all the stuff that's appealing to me. It's all about groups who are now defunct. Uh, Richie Neville, who wasn't the lead singer, but was the pretty one in the group, who looks exactly the same. He doesn't look any different at all after all these years. And they had fallings out, bust-ups. One of them's decided, Jay, I think he doesn't want anything to do with the group anymore. So they're they're looking for somebody else to, to come back in with them. Richie Neville was working in Australia, and he's developed an Australian accent and, of course, they don't know about his background. So he's working in a bar. He's, they say he's running a bar. I don't think it's his bar. I think he's just running a bar. And there was no mention of a girlfriend. He used to go out with Billy Piper. Uh, the others have all got kids. One had a... Uh, excuse me. <coughs> Blimey. One had a... Brooke, dust in this place. Uh, one had a breakdown. And then, then they didn't speak to each other. And most of them seem to have kids now. But the one who's still quite funny is Abs. The one whose trousers were always halfway down his bum. And... He sort of talked like that. He's, you know, he's like, you know, from the streets. And, and he's still talking like that. I thought it was an act. I had no idea. But he's now settled down with his girlfriend, lives in the country. I don't know what he does. One of them who had the breakdown writes songs or tries to get back into the music business that way. Uh, whatever happened, it was, it was a group that were of their time. They were, they were the forerunners to Blue, I suppose, and I suppose One Direction. One, one of the guys there was trying to explain to his son... Because his son, who looked about 11 or 12, said, how difficult can it be singing? And he said, yeah, he said, but you, you look at One Direction and you see them popping up there and you go, oh, they're bouncing around all over the place. He said, that's hard work. That's hard work. I remember Westlife telling me that Louis Walsh would push them as far as he could. It's a case of, listen, I've booked you in. You know, you've just finished doing this PA. Tomorrow morning you're doing GMTV. The car will pick you up at four o'clock. Oh, God. And so they would appear on there and he would he would pull them apart if they didn't pull their weight. You're selling a business. One of the guys from Five went in to see the management at Simon Cowell's company because they were looking after him and said, listen, I want out. And they went, no, you're not. No, you're not. You can't just walk out. We've got contracts. You're not walking out on it at all. And so that's how tough it is. They work them really, really hard. I was watching the Peter Andre programme, where Peter sells every aspect of his life, and they were, they were looking at new costumes for his tour. I've never met anybody who's bought a ticket for Peter Andre, apart from Dawn might have done. I think Dawn might have bought the album. And they had all these nice leather jackets, because they've decided that Peter, at the age of 39, <laughs> excuse me, um, doesn't really want... I think he was, he was trying not to use the word camp because he had a lot of diamantes sewn into things, and now they've gone for this butch leather thing. He thinks he's like Michael Jackson, and it was so laughable to hear him in his little studio going, this has got hit written all over it. And I'm thinking, you haven't, a hit, hadn't had, <coughs> haven't had a hit for donkey's years. His girlfriend was at primary when he had the hit Insania, or, sorry, Mysterious Girl. She said, I was in, my, me and my friends used to dance that in primary. I said, oh, my God. And you watch Peter Andre, and there was a bit of me that kind of warmed to him. It warmed, I warmed a little bit. He was doing a bit about, you know, don't want to be all show, show, and that, that kind of stuff. He said, I want to do, you know, the butch things. And that, that kind of made me smile. And I, I thought to myself, as I was smiling watching it, I thought, that's interesting. I've, I mean, I'm sure if I met him, he'd be lovely. I'm just so bored with people exposing every aspect of their life on television. You know, discussing, you know, things which are so private, they should remain private. I just, I just, you know, I'm sure deep down inside he's lovely. We know he loves his kids. 
Should do. He puts him on television enough. And, and, and the rest of it is good, and his girlfriend seems nice, and he's got a driver, and, and it's great, and it's probably relentless. But at the end of the day, you think, oh, God, just give it a rest. We were bored with... One, somebody in one of the papers today, Polly, I think, in the... Might be in The Sun, has written a list of people that should be glad to see the back of. Jordan, of course, is one of them. But then everybody wants to see the back of Jordan because we've seen the front and, by God, it's not very nice at all, is it? So we quite like to see the back of her. I'd quite like to see the back of Michelle Heaton. I'm a little bit bored with Michelle Heaton, I'm afraid. We know she's been on... I mean, every aspect of people's lives, they actually sell to the press. They sell the photos. I mean, today in the papers again, guess who? My least favourite person in the papers. Wait a minute, where are we? How many pages do we have to go in? Oh, um, Kelly Brook single again. There you go, that's world-shattering world news for you, ladies and gentlemen. Kelly Brook is single. Dean Gaffney's recovering after uh, a horror car smash. Whole page with Kelly Brook. So she's had um, Billy Zane, Jason Statham, Matthew Morrison. There's been quite a little catalogue. And the truth of the matter is... You can't talk to her. <laughs> you know, she's not, there's not really a lot of conversation going on with, with Kelly Brook. She is just a look... It's it's a bit Dita Von Tees. I've seen Dita Von Tees being interviewed. She looks barking mad, as far as I'm concerned. Absolutely barking mad. So how far in are this... Oh, I can't, can't find the blooming thing now. And yet, the early, earlier on, I found it. Oh, we were right yesterday when we said that uh, good old Sally Intelligent Burko has, has had an inking. She went with her close friend, Paddy Doherty. Don't you just want his whole family to move into Westminster? Yeah, big up the travellers, eh? Big up the travellers, Sally. Otherwise known as the traveller's friend now. She really is so desperate for publicity, poor soul. No, it was a picture of... Um, oh, yes, remind me later on to mention Ainsley Harriet. Ainsley, I, I could do the old gag, but I, I won't about his sausages. Uh, but there is... Oh, also, remind me to tell you, Burger King, they've written a full-page advert, sort of like an apology. But, in fact, not really an apology at all. It's uh, They're just having a laugh at your expense, I'm afraid. And, as the papers are saying, has somebody been telling a bit of a whopper? Have Burger King been selling you horse meat? Judging by some of the people in there, one would have to answer, probably yes. Uh, Claire Balding's been snatched from the BBC to front another... Oh, God, give it a rest, Claire, please. Please, I don't want to have to... Don't have to go down the line of not liking you because I like you a lot. You know that. Plus, I can't find these pictures. Why? Honestly, first thing I open up upstairs, I find a picture of this person, and I thought, oh God, not them again, not that person again. And now, when you come to to look for it, you can't find the blooming thing. Is it page eight in what? In the Sun? Oh, in the, oh, it's in the Star. Oh, sorry, it's in the Daily Star. Well, that's why I didn't find it. Like, who who knew it was page eight? Oh, oh, you knew it was page eight. Oh, right. Producer knew it was page eight. I did mark... I must have marked it, actually. Wait a minute. Uh, oh, but no, apart from... The... No, 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 that's... No, not that picture. I'm looking at the other picture. I'm looking at the other picture of that... that ghastly... Oh, here she is. Here she is. She's page 11 in the star today. She's page 11. And this is uh, sexy Helen Flanagan. The trouble is, she's a bit of a bimbo. In fact, she's a huge bimbo. She can't help it. She's as dim as a plank. And she says here that she's uh, proved that she's intelligent by posing for a magazine in, I think it's Love It magazine. I didn't even know that was still going. Uh, lying on a desk, you know, mm, sexy. But you know she's as thick as a brick. You saw her on all the television programmes. It's just a look. She's a bit, she's a bit Kelly Brook. Looks lovely, but you can't have a conversation with her because she's so dim. And I'm afraid the same for Helen Flanagan. And she says here... As she poses in suspenders, red heels and super sexy specs. 
Mm. But then we all know you're a bit dim. She says here, she's top of the class, I'm dressed as a sexy teacher because, she says, I'm no blonde bimbo. I really, really want to finish my study. And she says, a lot of people think I'm thick. No, you are thick, dear. We saw you on the television. We saw you on I'm a Celebrity, Get Me Out of Here. You are thick. You are thick. You are a thick bimbo with no talent apart from... Listen, anybody who's got average looks can get out there. Let's face it, that's why hookers make money. It's not based on looks, love. It's based on the fact, can you wear stockings and suspenders? And heterosexual men go, for stockings and suspenders. You must be up for it, dear. Well, of course, she goes, I'm not promiscuous. Well, stop posing like one, then. Stop posing. Why, you know, why don't you can't do something intelligent? I mean, I realise that your parents probably love you dearly, but even they must be, must be despairing, I should imagine, at times. And they open up the paper and there's another picture of you disporting yourself over the pages and going, of course, I'm not like that at all. Legs akimbo. Of course you're not, love. We know that deep down inside you're really a follower of Einstein's theory of relativity. That's re, er, le, a, t. Oh, it doesn't matter. LBC 97.3. London's biggest conversation with Steve Allen. Morning, 18 minutes. No, it's not 17 minutes past four. I love that there's a, there's a lottery winner in the paper today. He won a million and he wants a girlfriend. I can confidently predict, now he's been in the papers with a million, uh, he, uh, he will actually find a girlfriend quite quickly. Do you remember there was a guy years ago, his name was something like Carlucci. I interviewed him on television and he'd, uh, he'd won something like two or three million quid on the lottery and he was uh, he was a he was a round chap he was a round chap and he was bald and he met this girl she's an ex-glamour model and she had a daughter and systematically over the years they milked him of all his money didn't take him very long they they absolutely he didn't see it coming poor soul he was so dim but i spoke to a guy the other day i was in the hairdressers and there's a guy in there, I won't identify him in any way, shape or form, because he kept saying, what's your name? And I went, Dave. And, and my friend Michael and Marius were sort of playing, and I said, yeah, Dave. He said, but what's your surname? I said, it doesn't matter, I don't have surnames. And he was telling us the story of how he received an email from a company in Hong Kong, from a legal company, telling him that a cousin of his had died in Changcheng province and had left him... All this money. He was the legal... And I thought, you could please tell me, you can't be this dumb. Anyway, he said, so they asked for some money so that they could release... <laughs> it's better. They could release the money. And it was something like 10 million Hong Kong dollars. I mean, you know, you and I, hello? Warning bells immediately. So what does he do? He said, he said I investigated it. He said, I checked out that the law firm existed... He said, they had a bank account, he said, so I transferred £10,000 to release this money. I mean, we were wetting ourselves laughing at the stupidity of this ignoramus. So he transfers 10000 quid, and of course, they then write to him, because they've then discovered, this man's an easier touch than we thought. And they then say, listen, um, the money's here, the problem is, because of the internal revenue in Hong... I mean, they spun him this story. And I'm listening to... And my friend Michael said, he said, you're going to get 20 minutes out of this tomorrow on the programme, aren't you? I said, well, probably not 20 minutes, but I'm going to get a fair bit out of it. If only to warn people, because I can't believe in this day and age somebody would be that dumb as to send 10,000 quid over to a bank in Hong Kong. He said, but it's, he said it's the Bank of Hong Kong, Bank of China. 
He said, and it's very well known, he said, so I'm going to write to them because the next letter that came from these people to release the money because of the internal revenue system in Hong Kong um, and because the money is going overseas, you have to pay a commission. And the commission was £65,000. No, he, luckily he didn't. send. He said, that's when I thought it was a scam. I thought, what, sending ten grand to Hong Kong when you don't know anybody in Hong Kong you didn't think was a scam? So he sends his ten grand. He doesn't go for the 65 grand, but he contacts uh, this lawyer. I said, but it isn't a lawyer. It's somebody pretending to be a lawyer. He said, but they have bank accounts. He said, because I've checked and they have bank accounts with the Bank of China. I said, yes, they open up bank accounts for idiots like you who transfer the money across. And once you've transferred the money across, they take the money out of the account. They just go in there and withdraw it. It was done in the film Ghost. Do you remember where Whoopi Goldberg goes in and Sam is saying to her, just just fill in this amount here. You want to close this account. And so she goes, I want to close this account. So the woman goes, yes. And it's something like 20 million, whatever it is in, 20 million. It's not Sam's money. He's transferred it from somebody else who thought they were going to scam the company. So Whoopi Goldberg goes, 20... Twenty, and so she eventually she gets this check, and she walks out the bank with the check for twenty million. She's closed the account, the same as the people in China would do. The people in in China would have opened up an account. The money arrives in from thickos around the world because they send out hundreds of thousands of these letters, hundreds and thousands of them. Once they find somebody who's that dumb to seriously send the money, then they ask for a bit more. The fact that the person, I mean, he said, he said, I'm going to get the Hong Kong police onto it. I said, they're not going to be bothered about you, who voluntarily sent this person 10,000. They didn't need to coerce you very easy, you know, very, uh, very easily. They just wrote you and said, could you send us 10,000 quid? And so the 10,000 quid arrived. He said, but he said, but they do have an account with the bank. I said, at the moment they have an account with the bank. It's just, it's, it's what they call a channeling through account. The money goes in, they take it out. It's of no interest to the bank. The bank aren't going to refund you your money. You sent it. They didn't come around and break your arms. You just happily sent off a cheque. Well, in fact, he just transferred it. He said, but, I, but there must be something you could do about it. I said, no. No. He said, well, I've, I've learnt my lesson. He said, I've learnt my lesson. I said, cost you ten grand. I said, if you can afford to lose ten grand, which, of course, he could, he said, that's OK. I can afford to lose it. He said, but it's, it's, a, it's a lesson for everybody else. And I thought, I didn't think I would hear in this day and age that somebody... That I'm, that I'm aware of. I've seen him around Twickenham a few times. He's an old boy. But he, he, he got caught by it. And I remember seeing some poor man on this morning sitting there. And he was in his 70s and 80s. And his family were with him. And he'd been caught by these people. And he'd happily sent off money. And every time they asked for a bit more because they had to do this, he sent off more money to them. Seriously believing that at the end of the day, he'd won over $2 million in a lottery that he never bought a ticket for. I mean, you know, ask yourself the question, because there's bound to be some thick people listening at the moment. Bound to be. By the law of averages, you know, if somebody writes to you an email and goes, Hi! You know, um, you know, congratulations, you've won a share of £16 million. Uh, just send us an email back confirming you've received this, and then we can arrange payment to you. And you have to think, did I buy a ticket? If you didn't buy a ticket, you ain't won anything. It's as simple as that. You know, I get emails very so, every so often that come from Lloyd's Bank or Bark, and I'm, I'm not with any of these banks, saying, can you send us your password details? Now, out of the hundreds of thousands that they send out, a number of people are going to supply details, and then you get scammed. And I think, I don't know what, what more you can do to people. What more can you say to somebody? I mean, I generally get emails from Russian girls in my area who want to meet me. I don't want to meet any Russian girls. 
Or failing that, would I like to increase the size of my appendage? And I've said to them, I, I don't know how they know this thing. This this old boy said to me the other day, he said, he said, but where, he said it was genuine. Where did they get my email address from? I said, good God, have you got a credit card? He said, yes. I said, that's where they get it from. Have you ever bought petrol? Have you ever used it in a supermarket? Yes. That's where they get it from. The most corrupt places, restaurants, the most corrupt places, restaurants, where at one time you would hand the card over, or failing that, garages. Don't ever, ever, ever in a million years hand over a card. More bent people in garages than anywhere else. Because they're, they're a floating section of the pot. There was one garage, was it outside of Dover, where they, where they, they, they discovered that over 3,000 credit cards had been cloned at this one garage. Because people went in there, you know, the early days when they used to sort of swipe it across the thing. Now you put your thing in. But, I mean, they can still clone them. 3,000 cards were cloned. And what they do is they just leave it dormant for a while. You don't know anything. You know nothing. And then occasionally, at the end of each month, they might put down 30 quid on your credit card. Well, how many people sit down? I do. Because I I know exactly what I spend every month. Because I'm mean and tight. So tight I squeak. And, and, and how many times do you sit down at the end of each month and go through what you've spent? You know, 20 quid or 15 quid here. Imagine multiplying that millions of times. That's how much money comes in. So when you hear of somebody being done again, you think, well, I can do no more. I can only tell you that there are people who will scam you. They couldn't care less whether you're old, young, dying, dead. They're not interested. They just want the money. They want your bank account details. And they write to people. There's this very good book that my producer recommended, not this one, the one from ages ago. And it was um, a girl who wrote to... It's a whole series of emails from girls looking to find people, claiming to be Russian. I think, I think she claimed to be Russian. And anyway, she got him and she said, and this, for, for purposes of this programme, we'll call him Peter. But he's, in fact, Peter is a journalist. And he was scamming her. She didn't realise. And so the girl wrote to him and says, oh, hi, Peter, your name was given to me. I'm a Russian girl, I'm very beautiful, and I would like to meet people in your country for friendship and things like that. So he wrote back, and he was, he was, he was all tongue-in-cheek, taking the Michael. He was going, gosh, you sound really gorgeous. I'd, yes, let's really correspond. I'd love to meet you and all this kind of thing. And so he keeps it going, and it goes for weeks. And gradually, she turns it around. Oh, I'd love to come and visit you in your country. And she sent a picture. She was beautiful, blonde hair. And, and, and of course, all they are, they're lifted pictures from the internet. We had some poor woman. She thought she was going to marry an American GI. Turned out to be a black guy from Nairobi. There was no chance at all he was ever an American GI. And so this girl writes and goes, listen, I would love to come and visit you. And he writes back, yeah, we're really looking forward to seeing you. Come on over, come on over. And so she wrote back and said, listen, it's really difficult at the moment because my mother's very sick. And I have to give my money every month to her to get medicines, because medicines are very difficult to get in our part of the world. You know, it's all fairly believable. It's Russia. People don't have a lot of money. You could say the same for South Africa, I suppose. And, uh, and so she says, is it possible that you could send me maybe $200 to, uh, so that I can put a deposit down on a plane ticket? And so he would write back and go, God, really looking forward to seeing you. Totally ignoring the $200 bit. And so then she would write back and she'd say, listen, I so, so want to meet you, but I really do need the $200. Could you wire it to this Western Union uh, account? And in the end, then another one of her friends got involved saying, listen, I'm the travel agent organising the ticket. Can you send me the $500? All of a sudden it jumps up. And he just keeps it going. He keeps it going in this country until eventually he, he, he sort of writes to her and goes, he says, um, oh, I'm really not interested now. And she writes back, you know, a, a right load, barrel load of old filth because they're con artists. 
they don't they don't care. But they're not interested whether you're an old person, whether you whether you've got no money left. It's your last little bit of money. You see it done all the time, and your heart bleeds for these people. That that's stupid. They fall for it, but they're so believable. You look at some of the logos they're using. At one time, it was before computers. We didn't have all this, but now people are scammed on a daily basis. And there might be people listening, thinking, "Wait a minute! I've just had a cousin die in China. I've just sent five hundred quid over there." Because by the law of averages, you will have done. They will have raked in millions from that one that one little scam, and they sit down and think of another one. The other one that went for ages was a good Christian couple. That's always very good. You could always get little old ladies on the good Christian couple. And the good Christian couple were going to be going over to Africa to do missionary work, which was lovely. It was so exciting. But the problem they had was they had a little doggy. And, and they wanted somebody to look after their little doggy while they were away doing missionary work in Africa. And this, this little doggy was scammed, I think, about 2,000 times because people sent money over so they could have the dog sent from wherever it was and crated up and sent over here so they could look after the little doggy because they were good Christian people. And, they could, and, of course, it was a scam. They'll use anything. They'll, get, they'll use dead babies if necessary. They think they can get money out of you. You know, the more, the, the, you know, the more sophisticated the scam, the more money it rakes in. And still people get caught, not just in this country, but all over the place. That's why millions of them sent out, if only an eighth, a fifteenth of them, a thirty-second of them, actually fall for it, you've raked in loads. I do roughly the same on this programme every morning. I've convinced you that I'm a radio presenter. I'm here every morning between four and six-thirty. The truth of the matter is, though, it's not costing you one penny piece. All right, true, you've got to buy batteries for the radio, maybe plug it into the mains. But apart from that, this programme is free. Some say, thank goodness, we wouldn't want to pay for it. But luckily, as the audience has increased... I promised I wouldn't say that ever again. I'm really going to get into trouble for saying the audience has gone up. I'm so sorry. Makes me sound so big-headed. This is Steve Allen's immensely popular early breakfast show on LBC, and the time is 4.30. LBC 97.3. Text 84850. Tweet at LBC 973. This is London's biggest conversation with Steve Allen. Your heart drops, doesn't it, when somebody sends in an email going, oh dear, Steve, not Keith Vaz on the news again. Yes, the publicity shy Mr Vaz on the news again. Never one to, uh, to miss an opportunity, as they say. 84850, uh, Neil says, so Peter Jones has bought Jessops. On this occasion, I'm out. He says, yes, I mean, when it, when it first came, I thought they meant John Lewis. I thought I thought it was part of John Lewis, Peter Peter Jones. I thought that'll be interesting because they sell cameras anyway. And then it turns out it was the guy from Dragon's Den. But they're not planning to open the shops. They've bought the name and and the trading side of it. Now what that entails or how much it costs, I've got no idea. I I'm, I really haven't looked into it. You know, I just assume that these things go on all the time. Sometimes people want to buy a name, don't they? Perhaps Jessops has got a good name, or he might have bought the stock. I've, I've really got no idea. Either way, put it this way, they, w- they won't be doing it for fun. They'll be doing it for business. It will be quite quite a serious business takeover, which would be very, very good indeed. 84850, uk. Uh, Chris says, uh, with you for the whole show again as I get the full recording and listen around 10am. Disgraceful, honestly. You need to feature in the audience. You've got to be there. You've got to listen live. He says, I'm going to see Barry Manilow in New York on Saturday for my birthday. Business class, of course. 50 years old. He said, how did that happen? <laughs> he said, uh, I, he, used to go to, he used to go to the sauna after he'd finished work. And he'd go and sit in a sauna. And he says, uh, I got fed up with people walking past me all the time. <laughs> that, that you know when you've got old. You know, it's, it's like when you go to a party now or you go to a nightclub. 
and 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 you spend the, the entire evening sitting in the corner by yourself because nobody wants to talk to you because you're too old, you're too fat, you're too bald, you're too wrinkly. You know, there's always there's always some reason, isn't there? There's always some reason why you sort of you end and you think, well, of course that doesn't bother me. I'm quite happy. I always used to feel sorry for all the people who used to go to nightclubs and they'd end up walking home by themselves because I think the whole because London can be a very very depressing place. Very, very depressing place. I mean, I think the only way you can enjoy London is if you've got money and a few friends and you can go out all the... That's the only way you can enjoy London. Although I've, I've had that situation where I've just sat on a bus and been quite happy. Some, you know, if you've got an Oyster card, you can sit on some of these buses, go all the way down the Strand, go all the way out to the Tower of London. I love doing things like that. That's, I just wish it kept going round and round in a circle. I'd be very, very pleased with that. That would, that would make me feel very, very happy. Very, very happy. And you could do things, I suppose, you can go and sit in Trafalgar Square and watch numpties feeding the pigeons. And then you could watch the man with the hook, hawk trying to kill the pigeons, which is great fun. Um, because, you know, you still get people who sort of drop birdseed down the inside of their trousers. They're not all there in the brain department, of course, poor souls. It's not their fault. As I've said before, the only good pigeons under the wheels of the car. You know, pfft, gone. Simple as that. Sorry to hear of the passing, says Paul, of Patty Andrews. She was the last of the famous Andrews sisters. Yeah, she makes the papers today. And, uh, drinking rum and coca, cola. You've never heard of the Andrews sisters. She was the boogie woogie bugle boy of Company B. Remember that? They were... No, just by myself again. Facing the wrong way. Yes, they, they were three singing sisters. I think they were actually sisters, weren't they? Uh, Maxine and Laverne. They did so much to entertain the services. They did all the, the troops. They had recordings out. Check them out, the Andrews sisters. Christine Aguilera played tribute to them in her video of Candyman. Patty was at one time married to Marty Melcher, who left her for Doris Day, with whom he had a son. Terry, who produced much of the music and died several years ago. 94, not a bad innings. And on the subject of Mr Beckham, says Paul, there can hardly be a person in the country who isn't cynical about his latest venture. Let's face it, nobody's forgotten the way he turned up behind most of our Olympians after they'd won for the photos, and we then kept being told how he'd inspired them. As you say, surely some English kids' charity could benefit. And as was mentioned on, uh, on Ant's show last night, could he not have restarted his training school next to the O2 instead? Yes, he could have done a number of things. I, said, I mean, you cannot take away from the fact it's money for charity. And the one thing that we do good in this country, and the thing that we do well, is we give to charity. We've only got to see pictures of, of starving children in Africa for us to either reach for our handkerchiefs, <coughs> or we put our hand in our pocket, or we reach for the credit card. We do that because we think it makes a difference, but it appears not to, because they've still got the same problems in Africa that they had 40 years ago when we first started talking about it. Exactly the same problems. There are still people dying. There are still children. It's an ongoing charitable thing. Every charity... You know, does it? I hate to be terribly cynical about the thing, but you'd think if you shoved millions and millions and millions of pounds at something, it would go away. And the excuse that they come up with is, oh, it's long term. It's long term. But the trouble is, I don't believe that they actually go out and film children dying. Surely nobody in their right mind would ever film a child dying without doing something to help it. And that's what it is. But we're still sending money to Africa. Billions goes to Africa every year, and we've still got the same blooming problem. And that really annoys me. On the subject of David Beckham, everybody I should imagine is going, oh, it's just a PR stunt. You know, he will give the money, but he's done it to get maximum publicity. He's done it to give maximum publicity. He could have opened up his soccer school again. That just sort of went, didn't it, for some reason. It, I, I do get the feeling that the publicity that this family generate, they're so into it. They absolutely love every second of it. You know, from her going out to the fish and chip shop, as if... 
As if, you know, trying to make it look as though they're men of the people. The only person standing in a fish and chip shop, ladies and gentlemen, with a £2,000 handbag. And, of course, the caption is, she's modelling one of her, her own handbags and her own glasses. I mean, she might as well have sort of had a sign on her back going, I'm for sale. It would make it so much easier, you know, use me as an advertising slogan. So, Davy Boy Beckham gives away this, uh, this money, which is fantastic. It's wonderful. But I don't know, is it a lump sum he gives them? Does he give them money each week? Is it tax deductible? Can he offset it against tax? I don't know what the implications are. You can't just give away, surely, three million quid without there being some benefit for yourself. That's the cynical side of me. There has to be some advantage to David Beckham. It's either an inroad into getting his wife's fashions accepted in Paris, where, to be honest with you, I don't know if she sells in Paris or not. She wants to open her own shop in London, but if she can get the Champs-Élysées, I would think she'd be far happier. I think she sees herself as a global brand, whereas the rest of us just see her as an old Spice Girl who couldn't sing. That's, that's all we see it as, and they've got three, three kids. Three kids? Four kids. Four kids! Because they've got Harper Seven, that well-known brand of beer. And, uh, and you can see her, her toothless son grinning all over the Burberry shop in Knightsbridge, wearing an array of what can only be described as very camp clothes, I'm afraid. Little kids in Max with a thing round the middle, I think, went out with the Ark. If ever there was a case of a family trying to move up the social scale, this would be that family. So, great that he's giving the money to charity, but a charity in France for kids? Is there not charities in this country? Could he not give, you know, three million pounds or a million pounds to each of the charities helping dying kids in Africa? You know, could that... I don't know. Could that not be done? I watched a very strange programme yesterday on the television which had women in India who'd had acid thrown in their face. And there is, and I don't know whether they, they'd done it themselves or whatever it was. There was a group of them. And they had meetings. And it was all, it was all a bit tragic. Some of them were horribly disfigured because of either acid. One woman who said her husband was really abusive. Then they interviewed the husband, and he looked a bit shifty to start with. Because over there, I mean, women are quite clearly charged as uh, second-class citizens. There was one woman, she was horribly disfigured by acid in her face and her kids said you know mummy used to be beautiful but now she's not and her father didn't want her going out on the street so she she was housebound because he didn't want people staring at her and i and i felt a bit i felt a bit sorry for her really but i'd never heard of this charity before but they looked after women who have um who have had acid either thrown in their face or they disfigured themselves for various reasons i love david beckham when he when he's posing for his pictures and then he smiles, and you suddenly realise all the wrinkles are there. The moment Davy Beckham smiles, all around his eyes, full of wrinkles, and quite clearly somebody else dresses him in the morning, and they say, wear this, David, put this on. And it's great, but it's just publicity, isn't it? It's just publicity, and if a charity gets three million quid. I mean, I suppose he could have set up his own charity and distributed it to, you know, to whatever you want. One, one amount of money going to one charity. Excellent listening figures, says Robin. Very crowded around the wireless these days. He says, like you, I can't bear celebs making such a fuss when they give something to charity. Well, it's a huge amount of money. It's three million quid. It's quite... Although, for a man who's worth 150 million, it's a mere drop in the ocean. The amount of publicity that this has generated, you couldn't buy that for three million quid. He's made the front page of every single paper. Every single paper runs with it. Wait a minute. Every single... Yeah, every single paper has actually got it on the front. So, it's cheap publicity, isn't it? Cheap publicity for him. Very cheap. He says, um, am I mean in thinking about Dean Gaffney who drove his car into the Central Reservation because he's not been in the newspapers. I think you're being very mean on that one. Very mean. Dean was coming back. He was touring, I believe. I think he's touring in something at the moment. I bumped into him at a party at Scary Spice's house some years ago. God, what a name drop, Stephen. Honestly, how ridiculous. Why is he name dropping that? 
That's a ridiculous thing to name drop. Victoria Beckham. Actually, the first time I've seen it, there's a picture of uh, Victoria uh, on the television a minute ago with, without her famous trademark glasses on. And, uh, <laughs> I don't know. Uh, 84850. Marty Melcher was not the father of Doris Day's son. That was her first husband, D. Okay. Uh, 84850. Uh, another one here. The internet scams must make it incredibly difficult for for real officials to share huge sums of money with total strangers. I know, James, you must help them out immediately. I got one about a year ago, I think, the last one I got, which was uh, some woman, Mrs Otongi, I think, and her husband uh, had been a... Uh, an official in Nigeria, and he apparently had a £10 million fortune, so he was bent to start with, as you can well imagine. And very kindly, he'd been killed. He'd actually been killed in a, in a plane crash. But I say very kindly, very beneficially to me, because she was offering to channel the money through my account. And so I wrote back to her saying, well, I mean, transfer it immediately. You know, please, I'm, I'm more than happy to have it, and I'm so glad he's dead. And, uh, and that was the last I heard of her. Sometimes I just write rude words in the send box just to just to amuse myself, I'm afraid. <laughs> it's, it's very naughty, but you have to do it, don't you? Uh, 84850. I didn't do the photo of my bacon and vegetable. I'm, I'm, I had it yesterday. It's delicious. I had it with a little bit of mashed potato. Instant mashed potato, but very, very good mashed potato. Anthony says you're quite correct about petrol stations. I only ever pay in cash. There are so many scams going on these days. It makes me wonder what the world is coming to. Yes, you ask. Uh, in fact, I did a long conversation with Barclay Card, Visa, Mastercard about this, and I said, "Where do most of these cards get cloned?" And she said to me, "Filling stations, because the bloke who owns the filling station will have a lot of transient staff. They will actually come in and they work for a little while. They bring their own little machines in and they scam all the customers. They're looking for gold cards. They're looking for gold cards. The reason they're looking for a gold card is you're more likely not to be checking your bill." They don't want anybody who looks poor. Anybody driving a Mini, you know, they're not really going to be scamming. They're going to be looking for somebody driving a big car, you know. So if you're driving a Cinquecento, one of those ghastly four wheels, you're fairly safe because they think you're a bit naff and chavvy anyway. Oh, I watched some horrible programme about a caravan park the other day. Where they, <laughs> it must have been on the television this morning. I don't know what it was. Oh, it looked awful. It was awful. It had all these dreadful people who were wearing camouflage shorts. Have you seen camouflage shorts? Oh, God. I don't I don't know where they get this stuff from. And they had all these fat, overweight kids who were in talent competitions singing songs for all these giant families who were all there. And here, here he comes. What do they call it? Corey. One of them was called... This bloke's called... A little fat bloke. He was so fat, this kid. As you'd imagine, he must have spent most of his life on chips. And then I looked at his mum and dad, and they were enormous. And so Corey got up and attempted to sing a song, but of course he couldn't because he was stupid. Speaking of Sally, publicity seeker Burko, did she ever pay up to Lord McAlpine, says Peter? I don't know what the outcome of that was. I think she, she backtracked an awful lot. I think she had to backtrack. But, I mean, she's, I mean you, every time I see her on the right stuff, I just cringe. I think he's been told to put her on the programme. I don't think he has any say on the guests on his show. It's a shame because sometimes they're really good and other times they're so lame. You know, so lame that you, you think, oh, come on, Matthew, you can do so much better than this, so much better. Kevin the Miltman says, whilst waiting for the port, he has got tickets, incidentally, for the magic show. 7pm on the March the 2nd. A few seats left. So we've already sold out the first show. So in order to make these magicians work a bit harder, we're expecting it. No shorts, Kevin, OK? There is a slight dress code. OK, don't turn up in shorts or just your pants or something like that. We're looking for... You know, you don't, you, you don't, need, you don't need to go over the top. I'm not saying a suit or anything like that. Just dress what you would wear casually. 
don't bring the milk float either, OK? Nowhere to park. Uh, so anyway, so Kevin says, Kevin says, whilst waiting for the poor, long-suffering fiancé to get her nails done at the town centre, I passed the time browsing through the books in WH Smith's. I thought I'd buy her a small bottle of Diet Coke, 500 millilitres, at the till. It came up as pound eighty-nine for a small bottle of Coke. I said to the woman behind the, behind the till, sorry, love, I'll put it back. I wanted a drink, not a takeover bid for the company. So next time you're in Harlow Town Centre, he said, don't go to Smith's if you're thirsty. One pound, is that normal, 189? I don't know, I don't buy the stuff, so 189, you don't know, do you? No, I don't. Not a, you don't care, do you? You don't care either. You don't care, you don't care. You don't care that he had to send pound eighty. He never bought it, they put it back on the shelves. Very funny mood today. 14 minutes to five. <laughs> LBC 97.3, London's biggest conversation with Steve Allen. My friend Ant the other day came in and sat in a little bit of the programme at the end because he'd sort of finished early and he hadn't seen our new revamped studio. And he decided to take a picture of me, which he then put up on Twitter. And I looked at and I said to him at the time, don't take a picture sideways. I look like a whale. It's awful. I mean, he, he is at last able to tuck his shirt in his trousers. I haven't tucked my shirt in my trousers in about the last 15 years. I can manage to wear a suit, because I've got three-quarter length jacket, so that kind of covers a multitude of sins. Cynical, not me, says Neil. Good on him. This is David Beckham and his money. If only others could do the same, wherever the charity, hopefully someone somewhere is going to benefit. Absolutely, it's three million pounds. Three million pounds they never had before. Three million pounds that they've now got, as long as they put it to good use. I don't have any problem with charities getting money, but, I, I mean, and I, I speak from the home of charity which is Twickenham. We've got every blooming charity shop under the sun. And still people thieve. It's embarrassing, really, isn't it, in this country that we thieve. I find it very uh, very difficult to come to terms with. Neil says, OK, says, I won't wear my camouflage shorts to the magic circle. You better not. I do see that a lot. And also, because it's quite cold outside, you do see still a lot of people wearing shorts, mainly Polish builders. Because you never... I've said this before. They, they're all at Waterloo Station. They're carrying workbenches, their toolkits, slides. They've got everything. Absolutely everything. You never used to see that years ago. Because people all went off in a, in a van. Now they just sort of go by train. and all seem to get off at, at Putney. A relative with mental health problems got taken by the Russian girlfriend's scam. He sent 300 quid and wanted us to take him to the airport to meet her. I tried to warn him that she'd ask for more money, which she did. He then realised she was not going to happen... Yes, I mean, people say, yes, I'm on the flight, I'll see you there. So people trot up to the airport and they don't exist. They don't exist, these people. In fact, it's nine out of ten times, it's a man writing. It's a man. And if they need a woman, they just bring somebody in to do the phone call to try and convince the person on the other end. I've seen it, oh, so many times, so many times on the television. The worst picture in the papers today, I'm afraid, is of uh, one one trick pony, Rylan. Yes, Rylan has decided to pose naked for Cosmopolitan... Revealing he once had a testicular cancer scare. It's so sweet when you can actually get it, Ryland, all in one hand. How cute is that? Little Mr Teeny Tiny with the most revolting body. Ming the... Was it Ming, Ming the Merciless? I have to try and remember which. Ming the Merciless. I think I said Ming the Merciful. And somebody said, I don't think Ming was at all merciful. It's merciless. And Ryland, unfortunately, desperately, desperately unattractive. I mean, I'm not at all surprised you've been single for three years, love. I really am not. This isn't going to help your cause either. I wouldn't mind, but he's actually got part of his hand open. It makes him even tinier than I imagine, which was terrible. Uh, Warren says, look in the trolley of fatty fat fats in the supermarket. You never see salads. Funny that, he says. 
Never see salads. Mind you, look in my trolley, you don't see salads. Oh, I'll tell you what, I did buy vegetables yesterday. I bought vegetables. I've, I've got quite into winter vegetables. I can, oh, a whole packet is a pound of, so I could probably go and buy it, couldn't I, and sort of chop it up myself, but I don't do that. It's got to be ready prepared. I'm a bit lazy in the kitchen. And so I did, I did my bacon, went to buy some more bacon from Sandy's. Do you think a whole packet of bacon is too much to eat for one person? It's only like five rashers. And it was cut up, and it's, it was quite nice. I do it with my little gnaw stock cube thing, which I drop on the top. And then the winter vegetable had swede, carrot, onions. I had a couple of potatoes as well. I don't tend to do potatoes. I'm quite good at taking them out. I'm not, not particularly fussed. But I feel so much better eating swede and carrots. I, I, I quite like that now. I wouldn't, I wouldn't normally have eaten it. I used to hate swede at school. But now I, 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 I quite like it. In a strange, strange sort of way. Uh, so anyway, oh, sorry, I'm sick again, I'm afraid here. Uh, looking at the picture of Rylan. I mean, I suppose it's a bit of publicity because this time next year, nobody will know who he is. He'll have disappeared without trace. Uh, Spidey have cut f- uh, short their British tour because of a hair emergency. They were hoping to stay here for several weeks, travelling around the country, meeting fans. You don't have any fans. It's too ugly. It's from America. You can go to America, see a whole nation of them. They all look like that at all. But apparently her long tresses are her pride and joy, and she wants to get her hair coloured. Quite clearly, she doesn't think that people in this country are capable of colouring hair, which, of course, they are. They are. We have lots of very, very good uh, hairdressers here. Uh, Pixie Lott would never, give, would never forgive her boyfriend if he cheated on her. Well, of course not. I mean, absolutely not. She reckons that One Direction star Zayn Malik... Uh, cheating scandal, his girlfriend Perry Edwards should dump him. Well, we said that the other day, but of course, I mean, let's face it, if she actually does, if she does dump him, she's going to be single forever because, I mean, she, who's going to go out with somebody with purple hair? I mean, ask yourself the question, kids. Come on. Nobody's going to go out with somebody who looks like that. Why do fat people always talk common, says Warren? Does it come with being fat? You never hear a posh fatty fat fat. Oh, you so do. Prince Charles has got a couple of fatty fat fat friends. Very fatty, fat, fat friends. <laughs> so you do hear posh... Oh, yeah, you get a lot... Look at the House of Commons. You've, on the House of Lords is a classic example of a lot of fat people. And they're terribly posh. You know, a lot of people speak like that. Just, you know, absolutely wonderful. Pete in Lewisham says... Uh, there's a website here to give you a laugh at the internet scammers. So much of them. Um, he says, oh, come on. Zane has a girlfriend, says Warren. Cynical to the last. Cynical to the last. Uh, today, America, I'm listening. This is one here. I've, uh, I'm listening to you on my iPhone in Baltimore. Goodness. Richard says, great show as ever. When will I receive my introductory fee for introducing many new listeners from work? They don't all understand the humour as they're northerners. I'm an Essex boy. Yes. Well, that's the trouble. I mean, up north. I mean, you know, I'll tell you what, just to appeal to northern people listening. Why, eh? I've got me whipped out. OK, there you go. That's kept them happy. They'll all be going, he's one of us. He's one of us. He's got a whippet and a flat cap. That's it. He's a northerner. He's an honorary northerner. Because it always keeps them... Occasionally you have to chuck in a northern word. Like, you know, and if you do way eh? they like that. They like that. Northern people get very excited. You can see them huddling together going, we listened to this radio show the other day. This guy come on the radio. Go, way eh? He's one of us. <laughs> it's a bit like Biker Grove come to life, isn't it, this programme sometimes? I like the idea... I'm not sure, actually, listening on the iPhone. Isn't that terribly expensive if you listen on the iPhone, if we're in Baltimore? Can you do that? I'm not sure. It must be... Must be uh, must be channelled through something else. Lots of pictures in the paper today of the man who found the whale vomit on the beach. They're now saying... Oh, I've broken the microphone. It's, um, it's only worth about 43,000 quid. Either way, 43,000 for finding something that a whale has regurgitated. I didn't know whales got sick. 
You know, I know the rest of us go, mm, mm, don't feel very well, feel, feel a bit sicky booze. And we've had a couple of people like that round here. I don't know, what, it's, but perhaps you have something to eat before you go to bed. I'm so excited about today being Friday. I really am excited about today being Friday, because I'm going to see my godchildren tomorrow. They've since grown up since I first had them. So now they're sort of much older. So that's good. So we'll go out for dinner tomorrow night, which is very nice. And I've not seen them for ages, ages and ages. And I went to Costco yesterday. I thought I'd risk driving down the motorway. Oh, the car is filthy. It is so filthy. All the muck off the roads. God, I'm so glad when summer gets here, we can actually keep the car clean for about a week. So tomorrow I'm going to get the car washed. And I shall pootle down there. I hope it doesn't rain over this weekend. I'll check in a minute and see what the weather forecast is. But if it's going to be wet, I'm, kind of, I'm a bit loath to get the car washed. But it's so filthy. It is so filthy. And I bought these chocolates in Costco. And it's a big box of Easter-type chocolates. I was going to bring one in for the producer. I thought, no, I don't waste the money. And so it's, it's got little little ducks and eggs and all the rest, all done in chocolate, but all sort of carved out. And I nearly I opened the boot of the car this morning because I bought in some biscuits yesterday. And and I and I looked at this box of chocolate things. I thought, should I take? It's the last time we're working together. It's taken long enough to get rid of him. And and I thought, should I take them in for him? And then I thought, no, save the save the money because they were they were like six and a half quid a box. <laughs> I think I'm wasting six and a half quid on you. You're another link coming, pal. Uh, every person I've said says stop sending the money and allow these countries to sort out their own problems. Instead, we get a lot of Western guilt. Well, it, I mean, you have to ask the question, don't you? I mean, how many more? Problem. I mean, do these countries sort out their own problem, or they're just that? Oh, don't worry, England will sort that out for us. England will sort the money. Do you think they have a live aid in Africa to try and raise money for people there? Because they're quite clearly they must have more beneficials than anything else. There must be more beneficials with with sort of people who are siphoning off all this money. Because otherwise, there's so much money gone over there, and we've got the same problem. We're still being shown. I could go back in the television archives, thirty years, and show you pictures. Of, of kids starving because they don't have any food. And you think, why? And so we all sent money, and they're supposed to be educated. 30, 40 years down the line, we've still got exactly the same problem. We're still being shown images of kids dying on television to, to, to sort of push you into sending more money. So we send another load of money over there. Millions and millions goes over there, and we've still got the same problem. So either they're not managing it properly, either we're not digging enough... Because, let's face it, we could, have, we could have dug enough wells with the billions that we've sent over there to flood the blooming country. I would have thought so by now, but no, we've still got the same problems and we're still sending money. Because they're still putting images up of children who, you know, this kid is dying, this mother here. You know, because obviously, quite clearly, people are still getting pregnant and having children when they've got no means of supporting them. And you begin to wonder whether it's some just some huge laugh at our expense. Why have we not sorted this problem out? Can we not go over there and manage it? Do the charities not have people over there? Answer is yes, they do. Yes, they do. These kids need inoculated. Well, have we sent millions last year. Perhaps we should perhaps we should ask them if they can hold something for us because we've got the, an NHS that is collapsing at the moment. Scams have been going for donkeys years, says John. I got scammed by, down Brick Lane watching. The uh, find the lady, the three card trick. I was fascinated. Fascinated. Yes, I mean, but let me just explain to you. You see it occasionally in London, the three card trick. They do it in Paris. You get a lot of Algerian scam gangs over there. I told you when we went over there, I was pointing out to a friend of mine who was in on the thing and they chased us down the road because they're so vile, these people. And they're looking for, out of the people watching the three card trick. This is where the man will show you the card. He'll mark the card for you. He'll even turn a corner over and flick it, flick it, flick it. And you go, fantastic. You know where it is. You've watched it, watched it, watched it. He turns it over. It's another card. 
Out of the 20 people watching, 19 will be in on the gang. 19 people will be in on the scam. So the three-card trick, still operating in London. They do it. It's like, it's like the cheap perfume, isn't it? The, uh, the cheap perfume which they sell on the streets. Oh, it's nice. I like that idea. It's Friday look. That Friday look. I must, do you know, I tell you what I must go out and get today. I've got to go and um, drop some Christmas decorations off somewhere. Because I bought them in a garden centre. They were going cheap. I bought two Father Christmases, one in gold and one in red, which are quite nice. And they stand about, what's that? Is that about 20 inches? 16? That's about, what's that? Well, anyway, it's about that. They're about that. 20 inches? That's a foot and a half, is it? Blimey. Doing better than I thought. Foot and a half they are, these five. And they stand up by themselves, so I thought I'd give them to my brother. He can have one, and his girlfriend can have the other one, because, frankly, they're taking up room in the boot of the car. So I want to get rid of them. And I've got the Easter chocolates as well, which I was going to bring in today, but I'm not going to now. And so that's this... If it, if it doesn't rain this weekend, it's going to be great today. So I'm going to be doing a lot of driving, backwards and forwards. I'm such a perky little mood today. I don't know why, actually. It's quite unusual for... Normally on a Friday, I'm so exhausted at the end of the week. But we will have, in the next part of the programme... No, not the next part, the, the other part. A little clip... Uh, two little clips of our In Conversation coming up this week, including... Layla Morse. Plus, we're going to get you thin. Oh, God knows, we're going to try and get you thin. We're going to hypnotise you into getting a gastric band fitted. Okay, that will be with Paul McKenna. We'll be popping up uh, about quarter past six this morning, and Layla Morse as well. We'll give you a foretaste of In Conversation for Sunday on LBC. LBC 97.3. Text 84850. Tweet at LBC 973. This is London's biggest conversation with Steve Allen. Morning, coming up four minutes past five, Friday morning. Read your studio photo, says Neil. I think you need a few more name posters up saying who you work for. Yes, there's hardly any in the studio at all. I've got them all over the place. I've never seen so many name checks. I like it, though. I like this this colour blue. It's on the Twitter picture, if you missed it the other day. Lovely, uh, lovely, funny picture. It only makes one of the papers today, and it's, it's really not particularly complimentary. In the Daily Star, a poor old Lydia Bright, who apparently... Um, she, she was modelling a dress the other day. said it, it looks actually it could be better fitted on large arge. So they said, you can't blame the tent-like dress on a fashion faux pas, considering she apparently designed it. Lid, only 22, but looking so much older, showed off the product of her hard work in London Soho at the launch of her vintage style collection. You have to wet yourself laughing, don't you? It apparently must be so easy if Lydia Bright can actually design... I mean, she was wearing stuff the other day. I mean, she's got no idea of what to wear. Not a clue. But, of course, businesswoman, businesswoman. They're all businesswomen, aren't they, in Essex? But they say here, uh, many of the pieces went down a treat with critics, so maybe we're just being catty. No, just being honest. She's, she's not attractive enough to put stuff like this on. It's, you know, she's designed a vintage collection. Oh, God. It makes, I mean, she's putting Yves Saint Laurent to shame, ladies and gentlemen. Lydia Bright from Essex. How marvellous. Can't wait to buy the stuff. Uh, Julie. Morning, Julie. And she says, did you see four in a bed? Took place in a very posh country house in Sandwich. Rather than rooms, each B&B couple were given keys to their own apartment. Nice to hear Kevin the Milkman's coming along to one of the magic shows. You'll be able to spot him. Three-quarter length shorts and white socks. Yes, and sandals, probably, I should imagine. <laughs> oh, dear. I do like the idea. I like the idea. Uh, yesterday, you were talking about the LBC uh, listening figure, Really? I hardly mentioned it yesterday. Hardly mentioned it. And uh, he says, you used to do the dog results on a Saturday night, and me and my little brother would try guessing the results. Right. Yes. 
Oh, actually, as LBC celebrate, this year is LBC's 40th birthday. It's been going 40 years. I've done about 34 of them, I think. 33, 34 of them. Doesn't seem possible, does it? I started as a, a very young person. Um, in fact, very, very young. In fact, I had to be brought in in my pram by my mother, who would sort of just fit headphones on me, and I'd just go like that, and I kind of covered it for a programme. So that was good. So broadcasting at an early age. I'm going to have a sit-down with Chris Lowry at some point next week and go through on what we're going to put on the programme, who we're going to try and contact and find out if people are there. So if you've got any thoughts on LBC, you can always send them in, and I can then pass them on to him. You know, of people who you remember listening to on the radio. Because if, if you remember listening to them, the chances are we were working with them. So, you know, we had Jeremy Beadle doing Jellybone, Therese Birch. Lots of people are still around. Pete Murray is still around. But most of Fleet Street uh, came from LBC. If you actually look through the list, I think there's a list somewhere online of all the people who used to work here. And it's, it's like a who's who. Everybody from Michael McIntyre, up, down, sideways, wherever it happens to be. Lots and lots of people. Lots and lots of people. So we'll be doing that as part of the celebrations for LBC's 40th birthday, which takes place a little bit later on this year. Great point, Steve, about the money we've been sending for years. Where's it gone? Why have they not been educated? The TV ads do, so pulling at your heart. But like you say, has anything changed over the last 40-odd years? No, nothing. Nothing. We're still looking at exactly the same situation in Africa from when Bob Geldof, you know came up with Live Aid with Midjur. Millions was raised. I realised that there are lots of bent, corrupt officials over there who take money. A lot of the stuff never got through. And so here we are, later, down the line, because wherever you send money into a country, people say, oh, I'll, I'll distribute that. They were bent. A lot of the people were bent. You know, some of the money does get through, but not much of it. I can remember when they were doing Live Aid, and I said, what, less than a week ago, down the road, less than three miles away from where people were dying, they were having a knees up in the, in, in the embassies. Parties, food flowing, everybody very happy, and yet there's kids dying there. Absolutely disgraceful, it really is. Um, there's uh, Colleen Rooney says her son vowed to get some wings and fly up to see her late sister Rosie McLaughlin in heaven. That's quite sweet, isn't it? I think things like that are a little bit private. I don't think that should be posted on, on Twitter or anything at all. Uh, shamed former EastEnder Leslie Grantham divorced his wife yesterday on the grounds of her unreasonable behaviour. This is uh, Grantham, who played Dirty Den Watts in The Soap. On one occasion, he appeared online in a Captain Hook costume and pantomime wig whilst performing a sex act in his dressing room at EastEnders. A little bit too early in the morning. But anyway, so they've, uh, they've had a divorce. And, uh, and that's that. I told you I saw him on the train. He was sitting next to me on the train. He was sitting next to me on the train. I can't believe it myself. I cannot believe it. Police will be able to get medically unfit drivers banned from the road within hours under new rules being dubbed Cassie's Law. This is uh, uh, after a petition in memory of Cassie McCord, killed by an 87-year-old in Colchester. She was hit three days after he failed an eye test, but refused to surrender his licence. So now they say that they can take it away within hours, because, I mean, if you can't see, I mean, quite clearly, at 87... I know people older than 87 who actually can who actually can still drive. And I think Duncan was talking about this earlier on, and finding out whether or not people should be retested. I agree. I think people should be retested. People should definitely be retested. Just so find out if somebody's capable, if their if their reflexes are good enough to actually be on the be on the roads. Uh, instead of sending money overseas, perhaps we should be sending contraceptives. Says Malcolm. Well, I agree that we should send something. 
But I just don't see how 40 years on we've still got exactly the same problem. We're still dropping. We're still airlifting food, water, supplies, everything in there. Because they appear to have nothing. You think, well, where's all the money gone? Where is all this money gone? There are still people... How is this possible? How is this possible? I mean, in a country that doesn't have anything, or doesn't appear to have anything, I wonder, the millions that we're sending over there, small wonder there's bent people who will take it away from people and charge them for it, because they don't seem to have anything at all. I sent an email, Steve, asking how much money do they want on top of the billions sent in overseas aid. And Sean says, I never give to overseas charities. Why, for exactly the reasons you've just read out? It just, it's ongoing. Well, it does seem to be, I'm afraid. It does seem to be. Sue says, Lay Miz after 5pm at the Odeon, 12 to 16 quid, Monday to Thursday. Went to see Django. Excellent. Only £10. Oh, you should never, never go and see a film based on how much it costs to go and see it. Go see Lay Miz. It's well worth the money. Uh, from Scotland, we, we can understand your humour. No bother. We work night shift. You help us through the night. Huh? How are you? OK, I don't have to do that. So, uh, they're from Manchester, are they? <laughs> I do Manchester. Larky from Scotland. How sweet. How sweet. 84850. Anne-Marie says, the images of dying children is heartbreaking, but... Have you ever noticed all the clothes are clean, bright colours? The so-called mothers were always fairly buxom. And now, after sending pounds and pounds for ten years, no longer sent anything. When I worked in a certain charity shop ten years ago, every pound that's donated, 20 pence, goes towards helping the disease. Sadly, the office staff got paid a handsome sum of cash. But we don't go build or send them tools to help themselves. Well, Blue Peter did it, didn't they? Didn't they go out and they were doing a thing where they were opening up wells? And I'm thinking, so, I mean, and the, the millions that were sent over from from Live Aid, and still we've got images on the television again. They're still showing it on the... T- I, t- I turned on the television the other day to see Rob Brydon showing us images of children who are dying. Children who are dying. And you think, but, I mean, where's the money gone? Why have we not sorted this problem out? It's no good saying we're doing it for the future, because quite clearly they're lying to you. Because years ago they said we're doing it for the future. We, you know, this, this money will come in, it will educate them, and they could... What is, what is that line that they use? Give a man... A fishing net. Well, I can't remember what the line was. Teach a man to fish. Give a man a fish, and it'll feed him for a day. Teach a man to fish, and he'll live forever or something. He'll have food forever. And so, you know, why not that? All right, so they maybe don't have lakes in certain parts. But you do have to ask yourself the question, how much more money can you shove into a country that doesn't even appear to be helping itself? They don't appear to be doing anything over there. You know, we see a lot of very fat, well-fed people, and yet the images on the television are of these harrowing scenes of children dying, children who don't have medicine, they don't have anything, and I'm wondering where the money's going. Are these people pilfering it and just building themselves beautiful, luxurious houses? Not bother whether a few kids die. Awful. Steve, if ever you catch me in sandals, shoot me. I think everybody should be shot for wearing sandals, I'm afraid. Here it is, uh, Monster Munchers. You can try Britain's first man-versus-food diner with a menu of the toughest challenges it's chef andrew porter and this here is the six pound burger test six pounds in weight that is six pounds in weight three pounds of buttermilk pancakes berries and ice cream for dessert oh my god small wonder we are absolutely enormous in this country uh somebody here has got um it's um what do they call it? it's a hot dog which has got 14 chili dogs in it 14 chilies. I mean, I mean, I don't know how you could even, even, even eat something like that. We've got um, Atomic Wings, which is a pile of 12 super hot chili drenched chicken wings. Okay. 
enough to blow your socks off, the Farmyard Challenge, which is a £5 feast of slow-cooked pork, 70... This is for one person. 17 sausages, three griddled chicken breasts, a pound of beef chilli, a pound bucket of mashed potato, a pound of onion rings and a jug of gravy. Oh, God, I just feel ill. The uh, other one... Sarah Thompson, who co-owns the diner in Flaxton, near York, says the dishes were inspired by the Man vs. Food, in which the presenter, Adam, Adam Richman, 38, tours America, trying extreme eating challenges. She said, we've just booked in a pile of 40. I mean, this is like just ridiculous. This is just sheer stupidity. 4,000 calories per meal, apparently, on average, on one of the smaller ones. I mean, the pancake problem, three pounds of buttermilk pancakes, seven ounces of blueberries and five scoops of ice cream. I feel sick just looking at it. And the chilli dog is 17, 14 chilli dogs in two rolls, smothered in onions and cheese or something. Oh, dear me. Not good. Still to come, the apology from Burger King. The apology that you never thought you'd hear. In fact, the apology that they've said on the front of one of the papers today. Has somebody been telling whoppers? Apparently so. We'll tell you more in a moment. <laughs> LBC 97.3, London's biggest conversation with Steve Allen. Morning, Friday morning in London town. Do you know, I'm going to do it. I haven't done it for ages, but I'm, I'm going to have to do it. I'm going to have to tell... Oh, I've gone the wrong way. I'm going to have to tell you the weather. I don't want to tell you the weather. Because, to be honest with you, it, it really doesn't mean diddly squat, does it? You know today there's probably going to be a bit of rain, there'll be a bit of sunshine, it'll be a bit chilly. It's, it's the same. When I say chilly, I don't mean chilly dogs or anything like that, although some dogs could be very chilly, I suppose. Let's just have a, a quick check. Cloudy start. Here we go. With some rain. Generally dry and bright by late morning or early afternoon. Sunny spells are thing. Showers likely to develop in places towards the evening. High today, they reckon, 8 degrees. Currently, it's 7 degrees. And tomorrow, here we go. This is the all-important bit. Is it worth getting the car washed? Uh, early frost, good Lord, early frost in many parts, staying cold but a dry and mostly sunny day, maximum high of five degrees. So there you go, good news for people who've got car washes, so that we will be going out there, we will be getting the cars washed. So, is it, uh, is it a cover-up at Burger King? Doesn't seem to affect you, I still see people queuing up in Burger King, even though I did go to the one in Waterloo the other day. They don't cook anything fresh there, they didn't appear to. Again, I watched the girl putting it in the microwave. And I'm, I'm still trying to find out. I can't quite find out. I know they talk about their, their burgers are flame-grilled. I've never seen any flames coming out of any Burger King at all. I think they might be flame-grilled in the factory. And then they come in, and then they just put them in a burger. They're assembled, and they stick them in a microwave. Because I've never seen any flames coming out of any Burger King anywhere. I just see them putting them in a microwave. And if they're flame-grilled, surely they'd be coming off already, wouldn't they? But they appear not to be. But anyway, they've taken out full-page adverts. This is their version of an apology. Dear guest, you know that it's bad news when they call you a guest. We know there has been concern regarding one of our former suppliers, Silvercrest Foods, and we want to thank you for your patience and understanding whilst we completed our investigation. Do you think if you stood outside Burger King, you could actually ask the customers, I'm sorry, have you heard of Silvercrest? Most of them are students, they've never heard of that company at all. No idea, no idea. You wanted answers? And so did we. 
This is their advert. Early this month, we were notified that Silvercrest was under investigation for potential contamination. At that time, they were approved to supply 100% Irish and British beef patties to Burger King, restaurants in the UK, Ireland and Denmark. Despite assurances from them that our products were not implicated, we immediately launched our own internal investigation, which included scientific testing, inspection of the Silvercrest facility and scrutiny of traceability records. As we confirmed on the 23rd of January... We transitioned all of our restaurants in the UK, Ireland and Denmark to other Burger King-approved suppliers from Germany and Italy as a precaution. These suppliers have provided DNA evidence to confirm their products are free of equine DNA. They say that um, the products, which had a very small percentage of um, horse in there, was never sold to our restaurants. In the last 36 hours... We have established that Silvercrest used a small percentage of beef imported from a non-approved supplier in Poland. Yes, somebody said this packet arrived. It comes in like, obviously, a block or something. And it had this this horse meat in there. So, obviously, all this stuff arrived. I don't think you'd ever want to watch it being done, would you? So, they've now said it's 100% Irish and, Irish and British beef products. They had to do exactly the same as Tesco's, who took everything off the shelves. And as a precaution, Burger King took everything out. They marked it all with a cross. But they've said that they've checked... And so a rogue bit gets through, but it's OK. It's OK. But I don't think anybody had ever heard of Silvercrest Foods before. I don't think anybody ever realised that Silvercrest, this company based in Ireland, supply burgers to loads of people. Who'd have thought that these burgers coming off the line go to Aldi, Morrison's, Tesco, Burger King? You'd never thought about it, would you? In fact, it, it would actually be cheaper to go to, to Aldi or to Tesco's, buy the burgers, stick it in a bun yourself. Because you get it, because it's part of the value burger range, isn't it? Now, I don't know, you know, whether or not it says 100% Irish and British British beef. We think really good quality, don't we? But it might not be. If, if they're supplying to all of them, how many different lines have they got at Silvercrest? I'd like to see that operation. That's what I'd like to see. Not that it makes any difference. I wouldn't buy a burger from Burger King at all. Everything appears to be microwaved. And, uh, and the, the actual burger that you end up with doesn't look at all like the picture. I realise that that's done for advertising purposes. And so it probably works very well. Another one here. This is uh, Jill. It says, you were talking about your listening figures. I've never mentioned them. I've never mentioned listening figures, which reminded me to tell you, I recently discovered my brother-in-law, Chris, listens to you every day. He's from uh, San Juan Capistrano in California. It's 8pm over there when you start, and as he's an early riser, he's usually in bed by then. He listens on his iPad to the end of Duncan, who lulls him into sleep mode, and then you erupt at 8pm. His words, not mine. That's nice, isn't it? I'm not sure I like that, uh, that phraseology. She says, keeps him awake as he enjoys listening to your views on the latest UK news and the celebrity Z-listers. By the way, he does come originally from your favourite place in the country. Blackpool. Fall on need, isn't it? I listen, I've told you, I don't want people from Blackpool listening to this programme. This is not for you. OK? This is not for you. This is, this is a programme for sophisticated people. Sophisticated people. We don't, we don't, I don't want anybody... But put it this way, if you have to lie and say Lytham St Anne's, I'm OK with that. Don't tell me you come from Blackpool. Uh, Wayne, now aged a little bit over 40, says, uh, you got me thinking about LBC. I first met you at Gough Square, later at Hammersmith. I was a friend of one of the other overnight producers. You used to get me to come in... If a phone-op was absent, I remember doing the switchboard for Therese Birch, Mike Allen, yourself, Michael Van Stratton. Says, uh, says, you were a funny cow back then, and I'm pleased to say you've still got it, Dolly. Well, there you go. Still got it, you see. Still got it. At the age of only 37. He says, uh, I remember that uh, Howard Hughes had the best voice ever. 
Yes, how would you the very deep voice? Very deep voice. Very, very deep voice. He's probably listening at the moment, actually. Uh, Neil says, teach a man to fish. I've been asking you for ages to join me. Let me know when you change your mind. Do you know, nothing on God's earth would ever get me to sit by the side of a riverbank fishing, I'm afraid. There we are. St. Beck's front page headline. So, worth giving up the money. Also, I suppose it saves 70% in tax. If the tax man doesn't get it, we all go, yeah, that's great. Great. Very happy about that, if it goes to charity. It's just, it's a strange charity, a French children's charity. That was the that was the odd one, but as I say, I, I wouldn't worry about it. He's worth 190 million, so to give 3.3 million and to get the coverage that he's got, I mean, full pages, full pages to give to charity. If only other people who gave as much to charity could generate as much. I mean, it's it's it. Pay- I should imagine they're sitting there at home this morning. She's gone, brilliant. And Simon Fuller's phoned up and gone. That was that was a masterstroke. That was really a masterstroke. 3.3 million. You couldn't buy this kind of advertising, and it will help her launch her clothes in France. I'm assuming that's how it works. Um, oh, pardon me. Um, they've got a picture of Justin Bieber, not particularly interesting, and Molly King. Why well, is it every time you see somebody having a picture taken, they're sort of they're just playing with their hair? Because Molly King spent all the time playing with her hair. You remember she pretended to go out with Prince Harry. I think they met at a, at a bar or something like that, but nothing happened, but she's milked it ever since. And here she is. She was uh, at the in-style Best of British Talent Party at Shoreditch, I mean, why on earth would you ever invite her to it? I mean, Molly Kick for the Saturdays. What's she got to do with talent or fashion? I don't quite understand. Do they just invite people to fill up the room just to make it look, you know, a bit uh, a bit good? So they can go, oh, look, we've got Molly King from the Saturdays and we get a mention for the... And that's all it is. They've got nothing to do with fashion unless she's going to design her own stuff. Uh, Michael York. Good Lord, is that Michael York? It's a picture of Michael York. He's 70. And he's celebrating... Uh, to a musical's re-release this year, Life is a Cabaret, because he was in Cabaret, of course. He looks unrecognisable. Unrecognisable. At 70. It's just that you don't ever imagine that Michael York will, would sort of go to 70. There's a, a story in one of the papers today about Richard O'Brien. Uh, not Richard O'Brien. Richard uh, Briers. Richard Briers. And he's saying here, uh, he, he has a shocking confession... I've got a sneaking feeling, actually, Richard... Is, oh, sorry. Richard is probably listening to the programme because I remember he, he was interviewed some while ago and he said, I listened to that Steve Allen in the morning. So it looks quite good. I don't name-drop, as you know, on this programme. But anyway, he reckons he smoked half a million cigarettes, 500,000. I mean, I suppose you can work it out yourself, can't you? If you smoke, say, 20 a day, over, over the course of a week, that's 100 cigarettes a week. Uh, so that's 400 in a month. So that's... 12, 4,800 a year. So it would be quite easy. And then add on a few more, because some. some you know, I didn't include the weekends on that, where you would probably smoke a bit more. So that's, that's supposing that you're doing five... Th- well, I mean, he must have been smoking something. He must have been smoking. Even over a, a 50-year period, he's smoking a hell of a lot. He must be doing 40 a day. 40 a day. But he says that he's now battling chronic lung disease. And he says, I'm done for. I'm done for. He's, uh, he takes a full 30 minutes to catch his breath. He climbed a short flight of steps to Prunella Scales' Terry's house to join him for an interview. He says, I've got emphysema. And uh, he's, he's a cheerful soul, actually. He's very cheerful, Richard Briars. He says, but I haven't got the strength to garden anymore. And it's a picture of him. He looks good. Prunella Scales admits as well that she's had a little bit of surgery some years ago. She's 80. She's 80. He said, I do get depressed. 
He said, trying to get upstairs. God, he said, it's ridiculous. He said, when you're nearly 80, it's depressing because you've had it anyway. But he's from a generation who doesn't really make a fuss. He said, I mean, come on, love, you know. So you go, you go. But uh, very sad, very sad. So if you're listening, Richard, all our good wishes to you. Uh, who's had new, new boobs put in? Uh, Michelle, I don't do anything for publicity unless I'm getting paid for it. Michelle Heaton, the singer. What a joke that is. I don't think she ever sang a note. Appeared on ITV's Daybreak with her reformed group. With I love that. With her reformed group. All of a sudden, it's Michelle Heaton's group. I thought she was just background, I'm afraid. But she's uh, she's got new boobs. Uh, she was part of Liberty X. I mean, to be honest with you, they were rubbish first time round. They're even bigger rubbish second time round. I don't know why they even bothered coming back again. But now she's... She remember she had a double mastectomy. So she went on television to tell people about that. She was interviewed in every magazine. She appeared on this uh, pop star programme on ITV2 to tell people that she was going to announce on ITV that she was having this double mastectomy. And now she's had some new boobs put in. And she feels better about it. So there you go. I mean, it's an experience, they say, to... To women everywhere. It's this insatiable appetite people have for publicity. It's the things that people talk about. I mean, sometimes you, you cannot believe it, can you? You cannot believe some of the things that, that people talk about at all, really, in the newspapers. And they go on television. They have no, mind you, if you've got embarrassing bodies and people show off their, their bodies to people. This is the, uh, the porno star, Ron Jeremy, who's had a bit of a heart scare. I mean, you only have to look at this ugly little fat man from America to realise, honestly, that the standards must be so low nowadays. In Port- but I believe he was a, a pornographic star in the 70s. I don't know. I, was, I, I had heard the name, because I think he pitched up at the Oxford Union some while ago, talking about what it was like to be a, a pornographic star. Because they try and make it sound like a business, don't they? They try, you know, I, that's what I do in the daytime. And I've seen husbands and wives, and they've had... Uh, and they, they've had sort of wives going on television to explain that they make these uh, these X-rated, sometimes triple X-rated movies, while the husband sits there and watches. Never sorry to put people off their breakfast this morning. I mean, it's exactly not the kind of thing you really want to hear, is it? I'm afraid. Uh, the Mirror obviously ran out of stories. They couldn't think of anything to print. So they printed a, a story that we did three weeks ago. This is the woman who they call the Mother Teresa who goes out there, she's a street pastor. She's over 70, and she goes out there and she instructs young people, if they've been drinking a lot, you know, to turn away from the evil drink. We did this story three weeks ago. They've only just got round to it in the mirror. My God, it must be a slow news day. I mean, I know it's Friday, but for goodness sake. It's 5.30 as well. LBC 97.3. Text 84850. Tweet at LBC 973. This is London's biggest conversation with Steve Allen. The whole package, haven't you? And that. It's uh, 28 minutes to 6. It's Friday morning on LBC. Well, it's Friday morning everywhere, actually, in London. I mean, I'm not just sort of excusing us as having our own Friday mornings here. We want to share it with as many people as possible. I'm worried about John listening to LBC in America on his phone. He said, it's OK, we've got free complimentary Wi-Fi in the hotel. I love that. Don't you just love it? I mean, years ago, you know, if you've got a free minibar, that was the handy thing. Now, free complimentary Wi-Fi. You go, whoa, fantastic. I love it. Another impersonation, says Paul. Barbara Mullen, wee Jimmy Cranky and Stanley Baxter in one impersonation. Is there no end to your talent? I know. I mean, it's... Oh, I, Dr Finley. You know, I could do it all. Uh, and, and then that moves into... Uh, yes, dear. You vision I doubt fire. You know, that, it's unca- sometimes the people have just walked into the room. Sometimes even I'm excited, excited by it. Uh, Sun this morning, David Beckham on the front page. I told you, you can't buy this sort of publicity. You give away three million quid, you've got 190 million, so three million you don't need. What if they sat down and went, I mean, they must have thought about it. You can't just announce it. Otherwise his accountants would be going, what are you doing? What are you doing? 
Giving away three million quid. So it's it's also done. Um, Brooke. Brooke is... Uh, Kelly Brooke, single again. So she'll be droning on to every newspaper about what it's like being single again. As if I can bear to cope with something like that. And uh, uh, he's thought to have grown jealous of her seeing ex-Danny Cipriani. I wouldn't... Listen... Girls like that, to a penny, mate. I wouldn't worry about it, Tom. I really wouldn't. I mean, try and grow up and be a big man about it. Because she's going to be selling every aspect of the story, as she does in her life. That's how it works. And so... I should imagine it must be quite difficult going where somebody spends most of their time looking in a mirror. I mean, I myself do look in a mirror occasionally. I like walking past shops thinking, is that really me? Yes, sadly, it is me. There's a poor woman here who told last night how her eye was eaten away by what she claims was contact lens fungus. Now, I know there's probably loads of you listening who wear contact lenses. Jacqueline Stone spent 17 weeks in hospital after wearing popular disposables for one day. She bought these all-day comfort lenses online in the UK. She says they felt uncomfortable all day. When I took them out, the left one had stuck to my eye. Her vision became blurred and she was given drops by her doctor. Two days later, she was in agony and went to A&E where she was given more drops only for it to worsen last May. Oh, it's terrible. There's a picture. She she worries about this. She worries about it. Now, whether or not she's bought a rogue batch, I've got no idea. I couldn't... I don't know how people managed to put contact lenses in. She bought the lenses uh, from this particular company, and she's now suing the hospital. Alcom, the company, said, We were concerned to hear of this, and after an investigation, have not found any connection between the contact lens and the woman's unfortunate experience. Morefields, a vow, that's the eye hospital, a vow to review the care received while Smith Essex NHS Trust said it was cooperating. She thinks so too. Do you know 0.04% of wearers suffer eye infections? Because some people try and... <coughs> you're supposed to put them in a solution, aren't you? You're supposed to get this contact lens solution. But some people just cheat and use something else because it's so expensive. Once you're caught up into the trap, at least if you wear glasses. I mean, I, I wear reading glasses. Blind as a bat. I can't, can't read a blooming thing, but at least with them on, I can read. And, and somebody said, well, why don't you get contact lenses? I thought, oh, I couldn't bear to put things in my eyes every... Imagine waking up every morning and putting contact lenses in. It's bad enough some mornings, but definitely, uh, definitely not for me, I'm afraid. In fact, I don't think as a diabetic we can wear contact lenses. Pretty certain. Little Katie Price's dreary little column. Oh, it's so awful, I'm afraid. So it, it gets more boring every day. And she talks about uh, poor Victoria Beckham, who is... So much richer than Katie Price. So much richer. Katie Price is so way down the scale. She says, after she was seen in a chippy, she says most of us know she wouldn't normally be seen dead in a chippy, let alone allow herself a little nibble on a battered sausage. But she should try it. Just because she's been called posh for years, she can't escape the fact she's just a girl done good like me. No, dear, she's nothing like you at all. She's far more pleasant. You're just vile. You're just vile. I mean, at least Victoria Beckham is pleasant. And she's got a lovely family around her and she's, she's kept on to a marriage. You can't keep her bloke for a five minutes, can you? So she's nothing like you at all. She says, a day with me eating donuts on Brighton Pier would do you the world of good. I shouldn't imagine she wants anything to do with you at all. Absolutely nothing at all. Voids you like the plague, I would think. Because uh, you're nothing like her. A work- What does she say here? You're just like me. She can't escape the fact she's a girl done good. No, it's, it's, that's, there's no similarity there at all, I'm afraid. No similarity. And she talks about... In fact, actually, the column is so boring, I'm surprised it's here. She says, once again, I was flattered to get a mention in my colleague Jane Moore's brilliant column. I'm even more flattered to think that she's been studying me on Twitter, because that's where she got her gag about me having more rings than Sonic the Hedgehog. One of my followers wrote it. Oh, bless. Such a deluded little world the poor soul lives in. 
really does. Very, very bad indeed, I'm afraid. Very bad. 84850, steve at lbc.co.uk. Apparently, Prunella Scales and Richard Brides were very good, says Nigel, in the marriage lines. That's long before he did The Good Life, yes. I love The Good Life. I, did, I can't remember where it was filmed. I did mention it a while ago, but I've now forgotten. Uh, Sharon says, I sent £50 through the official website to Haiti after the earthquake because of the devastation shown on television. Later I found out the government kept most of the money. Now I only give to UK charities. Also wondering when you sleep, you work most of the night, says Sharon. No, I don't. I have to I have to struggle through for two and a half hours. Oh, what a hardship that is. I mean, imagine, I remember saying to somebody once, oh, it's like doing a full day's work. And somebody wrote back and went, two and a half hours, you call that a full day? I thought, yeah, my business, you do, yeah. I know people who used to do much, much less than that, I'm afraid. Much less than that. I think two and a half hours is fine. Is fine. Uh, whenever Britain gives to charity, it's nothing compared to the amount Britain has been taking out of Africa, says Carol, for many years. How would we take out? What, what would we take out of Africa? What would be? What would there be there for us to take out, Poppet? What would there be? Can you think of anything off the top of your head? Cocoa? What, what, what they, we take it. Is it? Are we paying for it? Presumably, we pay for it. Yes, we, I think we we pay, don't we? Because of free trade. Oh dear. Uh, this African thing's been going on. Steve says Leslie in the borough for more like forty-five years. I can remember back in the sixties they were collecting money for Biafra. Yes, it's still it's, it's still the same images, isn't it? Yeah, Pat in Northumberland. Give a man a fish, you feed him for a day. Teach a man to fish and you get rid of him for the whole weekend. Good, I like that one. <laughs> uh, somebody wanted to know why. I've seen the new studios. Why no phone or text numbers on display for the presenters? Oh, they are. They are. They're um, somewhere around here. <laughs> You're supposed to remember things like that. Oh, they've, I've noticed that they've put... There's a little red thing underneath the red flashing light here. There's a new red thing appeared. A little red box. Do you see on, see on the board here with the clock? See the clock? The big red light on the right-hand side. There's a little plaque underneath it. I don't know what it says. I think, is that the obit light? It's very exciting. I haven't seen... That must be... That must have appeared yesterday. All this stuff appeared, honestly. The moment Mr Clegg appears on LBC, we had the windows done and everything else done, and now we've got little plaques appearing all over the place. Uh, 84850, uk. The Embarrassing Bodies programme... Why are people having to go on television to get treatment? Don't these people have GPs? They probably have, but to be honest with you, you've seen some of these people's illnesses. If I was a GP, I wouldn't want them in there either. Some of them are dreadful. And see, people have go on there for private consultations. Well, it's a television programme. You'll find people do Let's face it, if they'll pitch up on the Jeremy Kyle show, they'll go on anything. They're not bothered. Uh, back in Britain now, Russell Brand, a very dreary, boring person, I'm afraid, about as, about as funny as embarrassing bodies. He says, I had 30 people doing yoga in my house. It was full of amazing women filled with sexual energy. And uh, he's appeared. this is all because he's appeared on uh, Jonathan Ross's show. And they say he's firing straight from the lip. I just find him incredibly dull, I'm afraid. Very dull. Uh, on um, one here. on this is, this is supposed to be funny, apparently. Russell Brand on Bob Geldof. It's no surprise he's an expert on famine. He's dined out on I Don't Like Mondays for 30 years. On Demi Moore, she's just she's just at, at yoga. I really like her. She's really lovely. I just see her at yoga. So I don't even understand what he's talking about half the time. Somebody wrote to me. I think it was actually Dawn, because I said I couldn't bear Russell Brown. I didn't find him at all funny. He just looks odd. He just looks slightly like he's been dropped on his head. He's, he's not funny at all. He's just somebody who's the sort of irritating person you'd find in the pub after a few drinks. There's a benefit fraudster. 
Here she is here, smiling outside of court. This is Joanne Gibbons. Uh, she doesn't work. She's perfectly capable of working, but she got £3,140 income support, uh, despite having two jobs. She was charged over the scam, but told she was actually entitled to claim £130 a week. So she wasn't quite claiming enough, but she got done for the first scam. I mean, she's another benefit fraudster. And so all she's ended up doing is having here... Uh, she's been... She was arrested following a tip-off. Because you can't... There is a benefit fraudster's hotline. You can phone up and you can report somebody if you if you think that they are... They are cheating the system. You know, they're a, they're an illegal minicab in London or they're working behind a bar but claiming benefits or they've done all sorts of things. Then you could... I don't understand why, as this woman is perfectly capable of work, she's getting any benefits at all. I don't know why we hand this money out willy-nilly. There won't be much of it left, will there? I suppose. Two years. And uh, this is a, a drama group. It's taken them two years because they had to find the black stars. They were looking for black actors. This is the Milton Musical Society in Hampshire. They wanted to stage the show set in New York, but all its 80 members were white. So they had to look to cities and even approach people in the streets. And Alex Clark, starring with Nicole Northern, says it's 30 miles to rehearsal, but it's worth it. Imagine, they sort of waited before they could stage uh, ragtime. The music, it's a great musical, actually. You don't see it very, very often. How much are they making? £17 billion for 2012. That's Shell. They rake in £46.5 million quid a day. A day, ladies and gentlemen. It's appalling, isn't it? Another ridiculous picture of silly little show-off Sally Burko. who's had her first tattoo, apparently. She's uh, got a small tribute to her kids on her wrist. Oh, lovely. Mummy's tattooed. Something really proud of, I should imagine. You feel so sorry for Mr Burko, don't you? Um, wasn't there somebody called Kelly Lee Brock, says Martin? Yes, there is somebody called Kelly Lee Brock. I don't know what they are. Apparently, with contact lenses, you have to air them during the day to make sure you're wearing the correct ones day and night. I had a problem having a, a cornea, cornean ulcer. Ooh, sounds horrible, I'm afraid. That doesn't sound very nice. Doesn't sound very nice at all, does it? All these. This is the woman who's in the paper today. And she's, she's slightly worried because she's had, she seems to have had this thing now for ages. Obviously, she's got some allergic reaction. Uh, a dwarf. A dwarf who was in the panto with Priscilla Presley, screamed, I'm going to die, as he and pals led cops on a high-speed car chase. Darius Ashard, who played Snoozy in Snow White, anything but, was a passenger in a stolen Vauxhall Astra. The car went through a red light and weaved in and out of oncoming traffic to avoid cops after a burglary. The friends were caught after jumping out of the car. Ashard was holding an iPad and a laptop stolen in the raid by Nathan Pierce. The pair were in the car with the driver, and uh, he'd spent two months in Snow White and the Seven Dwarves. So he admitted taking a vehicle and handling stolen goods and was sentenced to 40 hours unpaid work. So here he is, this dwarf who was in it, uh, apparently being part of the cast had given him a window into other potential work in that field. He comes from Romford, and the judge has said here that uh, you've lost your good name, that may have an impact on your future. What a stupid little midget you are. What a silly, silly little dwarf. What a silly little dwarf. Prison for you, young man, and you've killed a career. Because if I was a casting director, I wouldn't want to be putting you on anything. I did say to you that I had a good story about uh, Ainsley Harriet. Thank God we don't have Ready Steady Cook on that. I used to hate Ready Steady Cook. I like bits of it, but Ainsley Harriet was always touching the contestants and I always found it very inappropriate. The whole thing was just a little bit too in your face and I always remember watching him because when he first sort of jumped onto the scene, you know, he was all sort of, ooh, here and giant pepper pots and all this kind of thing, you know. And we know what he was alluding to. 
And then on the Ready Steady Cook, I suppose it did give us lots of chefs on the television who could throw a meal together. Somebody would pitch up with a bag full of ingredients and then they'd add about another two tonne to it to turn out something. Because they had it all in the fridge. So somebody would turn up with a carrot and a cherry and the, the next thing you've got a three-course meal. Well, I've tried it myself. You know, I have gone home with a carrot and a cherry and I've been able to create nothing apart from a carrot and a cherry. But they, of course, go to the fridge and we'll have some cheese and some milk and we'll have a little bit of this, a little bit of that, a bit of gravy. And the next thing, they've created some, some meal. And I should get very irritated with this woman called Leslie somebody, whose name I can't... She was about the only woman on the show. I used to think they must be able to find other women who can cook. Because my mother could cook. Admittedly, she, she died some years previously. But they, you must be able to find somebody else who can cook in the country. But what's Ainsley Harriet done? <coughs> not good, not good. Tell you in a minute. <laughs> LBC 97.3, London's biggest conversation with Steve Allen. I'm quite scared with the producer this morning. I'm just, I'm just, I gave him some biscuits. You know, just, I, I went into uh, the shop and I bought the biscuits for him. He's only tweeted a picture of the biscuits. And then you look through his sort of, and he's got lots of pictures of food. He's obviously obsessed with food. He's got pictures of some drink he made, then a picture of a tin of clotted cream. All slightly peculiar. And then and his, and his front picture is him and Chris Akabusi. But he said that when he got to university, everybody apparently had a picture of them with Chris Akabusi. I'll rest my case. <laughs> uh, the Good Life was filmed in Northwood. I should live round the corner. Says Saul in Harrow. Aha. Yes, uh, Northwood. Because my... Northwood. Northwood. Yes, that's Pinaway, isn't it, Northwood? That is Pinner. Uh, why did Sally B get a visible tattoo? I don't know, because she's cheap, I suppose. I mean, do, do you think she's gone back? All the people in the House of Commons are going, oh, my God. Is, is there nothing that this woman won't do for cheap publicity? She tweeted it yesterday. We actually repeated it on the programme. We actually told you first. We, we, we did it first for you, just to make sure that you knew. Uh, a lot of people saying that they enjoy the picture of the of the new studios. It's the new colours, really. I quite like it. The logo's the same, but it's the new colour. It's the dark blue, which I loved. Uh, love the stuff about Katie Price on the programme, or Katie Price-less. Yes, I, I, I mean, as, as it, she's now associating herself, I'm afraid, with with Victoria Beckham. You know, with both girls made good. No, no, Victoria Beckham is so much richer than Katie Price and also seems to have a lot better friends. Katie Price's friends tend to be sort of just... Just naffos, I'm afraid. Anyway, apologies. The other listener says Paul is indeed right. Terry was brought up uh, as his own by Marty Melcher. I can only blame it on my slight mishap yesterday. The hacking cough returned with a vengeance, and whilst trying to put a cup of coffee down as it started again to avoid scolding myself, I pulled a muscle in my side, and I'm on the painkiller, so I'm still half asleep. My friends Neil and Joanne have four ferrets... And take them for work on leads. Oh, don't they? Really? We've got a guy in Twickenham who does that. He walks around. He's mad as a broom, I'm afraid. Mad as a broom. He says, but uh, I'm still carrying on regardless. So happy returns to our lovely friend Vivian Froschel, who is 39 tomorrow. Not had the best couple of months, but carrying on regardless. With help from Paul, Jackie, Miss Diane, Mike, Simon, Marion, Kitty, Laura, Gloria, Suzanne, Terry, uh, Held, Karen, Jill and Diana from Richmond. He says, I shall now go to outside Lewin Yard and feed pigeons and whip it. Now, he said, now about these listening figures, did I miss something like the reference to you being brought in in your pram? I know you were doing your Bruce Forsyth impersonation even then. Good game, good game. Good game. <laughs> Actually, that's one of my... I don't, I'm not known as an impressionist, as you could probably imagine. I don't do them intentionally. Anyway, going on to um, Ready, Steady, Cook, Ainsley Harriet. 
who, as far as I know, doesn't have a show on the television. We do have numerous cooking shows, but it's been, it seems to have been taken over by um, by antique programmes. We're plagued with antique programmes. Everywhere you turn, there's another antique programme. They're either going out, they're having a game. I like it when they go out to place. I'm always fascinated that they go into a thing and there's a little Scottish woman. Hello, how are you? She's a little bit Lorraine Kelly for me, just a slightly older version. And she goes into a place and she goes, I'm looking at this, I I like this thing here. And she'll pick up something and she says, it's marked at £75. Now, I'd I'd only want to pay about 25 And before you know where you are, she's managed to buy it for 20 quid. And I'm thinking, perhaps we should all haggle. We don't haggle anymore, do we? I mean, I tried it the other day in Waitrose. We got to the till and she said, that's £22.50. I said, I'd give you a fiver. And so she, she said, no. I said, seven? I said, no, it's £22.50. I said, give you eight. I thought we could be here for days doing this. And, you know, she wasn't prepared to budge, and yet you can apparently haggle anywhere. Occasionally the newspapers go out into shops, and they take somebody out who's very good at haggling. I don't haggle over anything. I just don't feel it's necessary, but some people absolutely love doing it. In fact, in some countries, it's almost during... If, if you don't haggle, they think you're somewhat odd. Over here, we don't do it. Try, try going today into Burger King, going... Um, they go, OK, burger microwaved, and here's a milkshake, because we all do milkshakes and something, and some onion rings, which are so tasteless I wouldn't even bother. I did try them, they were ghastly. Because uh, I do like an onion that tastes like an onion. These just tasted bland, I'm afraid. And so you say, uh, uh, £6.80, uh, give you two quid. See what happens when, when you haggle with them. And go, well, look, everybody's haggling. Uh, no, four, four pound. Give you four pound for it. Get the manager over. Well, how much? How much can we do a deal on this for? You're selling loads of these burgers. Come on, let's do a deal. Four pound. No, you have to pay the price on the till. Why? Why do you have to pay the price on the till? You should be able to haggle for everything. Anyway, here's Ainsley Harriet, and he's selling a wild because what they do it. I mean, he doesn't cook it at home in his kitchen. It's done by a company. He's selling a wild mushroom risotto. It's got as much salt in this as six bags of crisps. 2.5 grams of salt. The meal on sale in Asda, Tesco and Sainsbury's has more salt than a Big Mac burger. The high salt content is revealed just a month after Ainsley Harriet was unveiled as the ambassador for the Department of Health's Healthy Eating Change for Life campaign. At the time, he said, it's really important to be aware of what hidden nasties may be in your food. Some of our favourite meals contain high amounts of salt, sugar and saturated fat. But his own risotto salt content means it gets the red traffic light warning under the Food Standards Agency labelling guidelines. Other Ainsley dishes, including his Sichuan hot and sour soup and golden vegetable rice, also have high levels of salt. A spokesman for Ainsley said, because quite clearly Ainsley can't speak, says he's proud of his food range, which fits within a healthily balanced diet and is clearly labelled to help consumers make informed choices. In other words, we don't take a blind bit of notice of what you do. It's a load of old codswallop. We don't care. The fact that his wild mushroom risotto has got 2.5 grams of salt in it. Why do you think Ainsley Harriet worries about that? <laughs> Sticking fingers up to you, ladies and gentlemen. As long as you buy the stuff, he doesn't care. He does not care at all. I shouldn't think so. I don't look for salt content, I'm afraid. Uh, the... Uh, the chef I was thinking about was Leslie Walters. The o- there appeared to be, I seem to remember, about one of the only women who ever appeared on Ready, Steady, Cook. I don't know why they couldn't find anybody else. It was the blatant plug at the end of the programme where uh, Ainsley would ooze his way over the floor, being a little bit... <laughs> and he'd drape his arms round somebody who would then be given a free five-minute plug for their products. You know, we, we come from Wishy Washy Farms Incorporated and we've made this ice cream which is made from... And they then go into a plug and then Ainsley goes, ooh, see what we could do. 
He apparently used to be a comedian. I don't, I don't know which particular year that was. He was never funny every time I saw him at all, I'm afraid. Um, why is your studio shot showing a, uh, a mug from another radio station? says Howard, uh, because I pinched it from upstairs, because there are so many mugs. I'll tell you what happened. When we came into this building, I came over with an awful lot of Steve Allen mugs, because we, the company produced for me some years ago, I think we had, Uncle Rob might have to tell me, I don't know, something like 500 mugs, Steve Allen, the Bitches Back Tour. And we sold them, and they were very nice. And so when I came over here, I put them in the kitchen, thinking... That, that people would just sort of use it. They all vanished. The whole lot went... Three boxes of my mugs vanished. I've only got two left, one at home and one hidden here in the building. And that's all I've got left. We, we sold them at one of the shows. I think we had them for... I think it was the Queen's Theatre. I think for the Shaw Theatre, and I think the Fairfield Halls in Croydon. And there are no more. So if you've actually got one, you've actually got a piece of history. They came out, I think, about 2007 with the LBC logo on. And because we've got so many kitchens in this building, we seem to have an army of kitchens, I promise you. We've got a kitchen on every floor. There's eight floors, so you can work it out for yourself, plus there's other little kitchens and things like that. And they've all got cupboards full of mugs. And because we use them, at the moment, I've got three mugs in this studio, all from different radio stations in the building. Because sometimes, if we don't have any clean mugs, because we've all got dishwashers, I have to go down to another floor, pick up somebody else's mug. So that's why I had a mug from another radio station. And also because we don't have any LBC mugs, because all the ones that I brought in, people pinched. People pinched them. So I have still got a box of mugs at home. And that's it. There are no more LBC mugs. They were done in all the colours. So I've got red, blue and black. But I don't think I've got... uh, literally probably about half a box left, and that was it. That was it. So I sort of hang on to them, because if, if I bring them all in, they will van- people will take them home, because they're a piece of LBC memorabilia. It, it was like having the photo cards a long time ago. Now we don't have the photo cards, because you can go to the internet, go to the LBC website, and you can download a picture of us, you know, because it's been taken professionally in a studio, and that's what you can do. I don't know how you do it. You just go to lbc.co.uk, click on presenters' pictures, and you can have a look. Sometimes you might be shocked at what people look like, but that's why we're in radio. Somebody used to say, I think Gary Bushell said once, Steve Allen, good face for radio. I thought, Gary Bushell, good face for just about nothing, I'm afraid. Just about nothing at all. Uh, Jackie says, thank you for the morning image of Paul in his outside lab. Does he have newspapers cut up on a string? If so, is it the Manchester The Post? We used to have... uh, I mean, I know it seems funny, but uh, years ago, we used to have that. You would cut up newspapers... And you would put it on a hook in the little in the little privy outside. Lots of people had that. Lots of people had that. That was quite normal, you know, before we had sort of proper toilet tissue and stuff like that. People used to have it. And it was so cold out there. You didn't hang around. Nowadays, you can stay in the bathroom for ages, can't you? Absolutely. And Lisa says, your Mrs Doubtfire voice is spot on. No kidding. I saw the film ten times. I loved it, yeah. You've read your diet, don't fail, dear. <laughs> I never knew whether I forget where he found the word, but it was it was somewhere within it. Uh, who is? Oh, I tell you, who's coming back to Britain to perform? Justin Timberlake. And today the tickets go on sale this morning for the Who and Quadrophenia, which they're touring later in the year. The tickets go on sale. I predict they. I think they go on sale at nine o'clock this morning. I can't remember the name of the website, but they they've got some dates here. So after all these years, the Who back together. Well, two of them anyway, and they'll be performing Quadrophenia. 
They've not done it for donkeys about 26 years or something. I predict the, uh, the tickets will sell out fast. We mentioned it, and a friend of mine, John, and Billy were listening, and they went, I'm going to make a mental note to book those tickets today. I think from 9 o'clock they go on sale. Kevin says, haggling, Steve. Can I haggle the opposite way? OK, love. The bill this week is £4.20. Let's call it a tenner. Oh, I think it should be paid extra for delivering in all times of the day and night. On it. LBC 97.3. Text 84850. Tweet at LBC 973. This is London's biggest conversation with Steve Allen. Five past six Friday in London town. Len says, re-haggling, 50 quid for your half box of LBC mugs. Nope, 60 quid for cash. Bless you. Um, I'd, no, I, I wouldn't part with them for anything. I really wouldn't part with them for anything. It was just the fact that we had all these Steve Allen tour mugs in and the boxes vanished. And then I had people coming down from upstairs from the sales team saying, uh, have you got any more of those mugs, Steve? I went, no, we haven't got any at all. I only had two myself because I managed to pinch them. Rest of, I mean, if you've actually got one, you're probably using it now. They're, they're, they're quite rare. They could probably pop up on eBay later on today. You watch. Uh, Ainsley Harriet, Steve, appeared as a comedy act at the Tunnel Club pre-Up the Creek. Ask John Maloney. John Maloney. Love John Maloney to pieces. Uh, Mark says, read the who. I heard somebody plugging their tour as a news item. Good PR. Well, it, I mean, it is, it, it, to be honest with you, it is a news item. I can imagine somebody plugging that on a music station saying that they are actually going to be touring again because they're doing Quadrophenia. And because Quadrophenia... See, I liked Tommy. Tommy was in the West End and I thought that was great and I bought the symphonic soundtrack. I thought that was great. I'm hoping that Cameron brings out the symphonic Les Miserables, the music that's on the film score, not, not all the other stuff. There is a symphonic Les Miserables, but it's not the film because at the very end of the film, as they're running the credits, they've got more music from Les Miserables that I've not heard before. So I'm hoping that Cameron will be thinking, because this is, this is the cash cow that keeps on giving Les Miserables. It's absolutely brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. Steve, the, the job centre has a job. 50 quid at Stratford for a secret shopper. A friend of mine was a secret shopper. He used to, go, he used to get paid for going into places and having to report back on it. And I can't, remember whether, I can't remember how the system works, whether or not people pay you for going in there and reporting back on service in shops so they can try and get it right. Uh, or whether it's something... Because mainly, 95% of the time, you have a good experience. Sometimes you have a bad experience, and I tell everybody about it. I moan about things left, right and centre, but then somebody's got to. Somebody has to be the voice of the little people. And when I say little people, I don't mean people appearing in pantomime with Snow White and all the rest of them. Nick Ferrari at seven this morning. End of the week. As the landmark decision on Lewisham Hospital has finally been announced, Nick will be talking to all the key players involved about what that actually means for the area. Plus, as a new report labels the police watchdog under-equipped, Nick will be wanting to know, are we doing enough to police the police? Looking at the paper today, Barbara Want, the journalist and author of Why Not Me, a book about the death of her husband. Susan Bookbinder, just after the news at 6.30 in about 22 minutes' time, will be talking about uh, this man, Duggan, who was killed. It's in all the papers today. He's been... They say he was killed on his way to avenge a gangland murder. That's what they'll be claiming. He's pictured in the paper today with... Uh, let's just call them some very dodgy people. There was all this talk that he wasn't mixed up in anything, but it appears that might not have been correct. Plus, 30% of bus stops still not fully accessible. This is from um, people in wheelchairs. 
people in wheelchairs who, who can't actually get on and off. Some drivers ignore you at bus stops and drive straight past. Some of the ramps only come out halfway. I mean, around our way, they seem to be very good, the drivers at this. They do seem to be very good. I just, I just, you know, wonder how many... It annoys me when you get onto a bus and all the kids are standing there and they're Blackberries and the driver's going, can you move down the bus? Move down the bus. And nobody moves. Nobody moves. Uh, HIV levels they'll be looking up uh, today amongst gay men. The uh, levels among gay men unchanged. Spending on safer sex campaigns for gay men has fallen dramatically over the past ten years. They'll talk to Lisa Power, policy director at the Terence Higgins Trust. And Borough have axed street bins because they attract... Rubbish. Have you ever heard of such a thing? We do create loads and loads of rubbish, don't we? 84850, steve at Still to come, this uh, final 21 minutes of the programme, we'll have a little foretaste of what's happening on In Conversation on Sunday this week, when it's going to be Layla Morse. You know, she did the dancing. Oh, she's got some stuff to talk about the dancing. Oh, God, has she ever... Wasn't at all happy about that. She suffered quite badly. Plus, she'll talk about... Um... 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 Life out of EastEnders, life with abusive relationships. You know, I mean, she she really suffered. What you see, though, with Layla Morse is what you get. There's no airs and graces. There's no nothing at all. It's literally, I mean, she she, she uses words I've, I've hardly ever heard of before. Hardly ever heard of. Kevin the Milkman says, we've both been slated by Gary, who? Bushel. He called, uh, uh, he, he called his first single Punk by Numbers when he used to do the record reviews in Sounds. Where is he now? Somebody else asked that a minute ago. He's, he does the television page for, I think it's the Daily Star on Sunday. I think so. Uh, Carol says, you may not be known as an impressionist, Steve, but you're very good. Most amusing. You should do them more often. I don't, to be honest with you, I'm not, I only do it to amuse myself. I'm not, it's, not, it's not a career or anything like that. You know? I mean, I do Prince Charles, but then Prince Charles can morph into any one of about a number of 13 or 14 different people. Now I know that the producer takes pictures of biscuits. I mean, I ask you. I, mean, I thought I'd treat... I mean, I just tweet normal pictures, I thought. Although I didn't do any pictures yesterday. I was just telling people... I forget what I was tweeting about yesterday. It depends what sort of mood you're in. Sometimes I sit there and I think, I should take a picture of this. And I think, is that really that interesting to look at? There's some, there's some lovely... You could take some really good pictures of London in the morning. You know, of the delivery drivers, of people that I see every day. I see people every single... There used to be one of the, uh, the drivers who used to wave at me. Oh, you should offer me bread in the morning. Right, Steve, do you want a loaf? I said, no, I'm fine. I stand at the bus stop trying to, trying to look as though, you know, I just blend into the background. And so people would offer me things. M- mainly bread, actually, which I never took the advantage of. But you do see the same people most mornings. The same people on the train, I've noticed. But mind you, I'm on the train every morning at roughly the same time. So that's, that's what happens. Duggan did collect gun before the police shot him. This is what they're going to be talking about this morning on Breakfast. You don't want to miss this. Mark Duggan collected the weapon from drug dealer pal Kevin Hutchinson Foster. Twelve minutes later, Duggan was shot by police after allegedly appearing to draw the weapon. His death sparked the worst outbreak of rioting in England for 30 years. And uh, maybe it was maybe it was mistimed, so they'll be talking about that this morning. And what is a style icon from the... I don't know which which age this was, but when I was younger, the car that everybody wanted was the Ford Capri. Everybody wanted a Ford. If you had a Ford Capri, whoa, because it looked a bit flashy, it was, you know, nobody could afford Rolls's or Bentley's or all the amazing array of cars out there and the technology in the cars. There appeared to be nothing in a Ford Capri. But there were just there every morning, the uh, Jake Humphrey here says, I would walk past a red Ford Capri Mark III. He says, it, he said, I love the car. 
It's funny, isn't it? The Ford Capri. You st- I don't know if you even know if you see them about nowadays. There'll be people listening who are big aficionados. You know, big, you know, big aficionados. Why did you buy a Ford Capri? And the answer was because it just looked right. I had a Mini. I don't know why I bought a Mini. That's all I could afford. And actually, I say it was all I could afford. It was a brand new car. I did actually buy a brand new car, which was good. A lot of people talking about haggling for things. So thank you very much indeed for that. It turns out you're not much coppered either. I don't, I don't do it. You don't do it either. And yet some people are brilliant. I've got a friend of mine who can con people left, right and centre. He's brilliant at doing it. He, um, oh, I can't tell you. No, I can't tell you what he does, actually. It might identify him. But he, he went into a garage once and he managed to get his whole car resprayed by pretending to be somebody that he wasn't. I can't, I can't tell you the ins and outs of this because it's, it's, it sounds a little bit vague, I realise. But let's just tell you, if I tell you this, he's very, very good at creating different images. He's a bit like an impressionist, I suppose. Very, very good at creating different images for himself. And he prints off stuff on the internet. I've just done a search on eBay for Steve Allen mugs. No joy. But an LBC sticker is on there for £10. Ian and Rosie. <laughs> £10 for an LBC. Blimey, they're rare as well. I had hundreds of those at one time. I had LBC pens. I've got little LBC radios. Little LBC radios. Little tiny radios, which you listen to with, with earpieces in, because I found a box of them in the last building. And <laughs> so I nicked them. Because <laughs> they were being thrown out. They were, the, they, were, they were being thrown out. And I had to go to the skip and to go and pick them out. And I, and I put them straight into the boot of the car, because I thought, you can't throw this stuff out. The mugs were being thrown out. That's why I, I, I got the mugs. I got all the I, at one time I had four boxes of LBC mugs because they were being thrown out. I thought, no, I can't throw that stuff out. Part of our history, for goodness sake, as we celebrate 40 years, 40 years, very first commercial radio station on air. And uh, later on this year, we'll be having a celebration and perhaps bringing back some of those names that you remember very well indeed. Brian says, I feel for Richard Briars. It was the fear of emphysema that made me give up smoking because he says he's now got emphysema. He can hardly walk upstairs. He can't guard. He's 79. You know, he's 79. You're entitled to start slowing down a little bit. And Prunella Scales is 80. Well, my goodness me, she doesn't look 80 at all. Doesn't look 80 at all. Her son is currently at the Vaudeville Theatre with uh, a girl who used to be in Brookside. I'm taking a break. I'm halfway through explaining about the theatre. Very pushy this morning, honestly. LBC 97.3. London's biggest conversation with Steve Allen. Morning, 18 minutes past six. Don't forget, we'll have a free podcast for you. We'll have a free podcast every day, and that'll be up at around about seven o'clock this morning, where we look at the wonderful world of celebrity, ladies and gentlemen, where we sort of gently chide, basically pull them apart, I'm afraid, because that's the best thing for many of them, as they actively seek publicity for their various causes or fashion ranges or drunken exploits. It's all sorts of things, so we'll have that up for you. And it's there every day. You can download that for free. You don't need to join anything or hand over details. It's fine. But you can join LBC and you can podcast. If you go to the LBC website, lbc.co .uk, where you'll find pictures of all your favourite celebrities. There's, uh, there's all sorts of pictures of celebrities up on there as well. I still think there's uh, the Steve Allen Panto pictures, I think, are up on my page as well. So you can check those out by going to the LBC website. And you can learn how to podcast and you can download every single programme. This programme will be available later on today on podcast. And what we do is we take out the news and the travel and you just get the programme. So you can download that and keep it. I think you can go back to 2009 at the moment. 
on the LBC website with all the different programmes. So it's about four, four years and a little tiny bit available for you to download. Now, on Sunday morning, between five and six, it's the best of Steve Allen. This is for those early birds up on a Sunday. And then between six and seven, it's our celebrities. Every week, two celebrities come in and disgorge themselves in my studio and tell me all sorts of things. And sometimes at the end they go, I can't believe I told you that. Uh, one of the guests this week has been in with us before. In fact, he used to work in this building. He's very well known. He is uh, a man who can make you happy. He can make you stop smoking. And he can make you thin. In fact, Paul McKenna's methods are so powerful that even he is at their mercy. When I record one of these CDs and I do the hypnosis part, I forgot to trance myself. And after this recording, for about three or four days, I was eating hardly anything. And if I tried to eat too much, I just couldn't. And I thought, something up. So I went to see the doctor and he said, there's nothing wrong with you. I went, but he feels like there is. He goes, eh. he said, what have you been up to? I said, oh, well, I re- I've just been you know, working on this book and CD there hypnotic gastric band he goes well that's what you've done you hypnotize yourself haven't you <laughs> and indeed i had engineer had lost weight the producer had oh and then, and you'll never know the rest of it you'll have to wait till sunday i don't think want my producer losing any weight best we pop some plugs into his ears now my other guest this week on in conversation is an actress who believe me ladies and gentlemen is no stranger to hardship in fact many of her life's events would be worthy of being a storyline in the soap that has made her a household name star of eastenders Layla Morse. They was going to put me in the nick. I was going to go to Holloway. It was only that a judge, I suppose, knew who I was and whatever, that he stopped it. But I did get a letter through to say, because um, you not done this and not done that, which I didn't know anything about, we'll take, the police will take you straight to Holloway and you will stay there until the judge will see you, in them sort of words. More from Layla Morse this coming Sunday. This was after she had a little bit of an altercation and they said to her, you can go to prison. They were being quite serious about it. She wasn't doing an East Enders storyline. That was quite serious. So more from Layla Morse this coming Sunday. And uh, we'll think you thin as well with Paul McKenna. And then you can download the programmes on Sunday after they've been transmitted. So that's the two guests for In Conversation this week. Other uh, stories in the papers for today. I love this idea of 5am bins. Householders face getting up at 5am to put their bins out to avoid being fined. And this is uh, Merton Council. Time banding will help improve the cleanliness of our streets. You see, I don't have any problem with people getting up at 5am. In fact, I always look at that as a bit of a lie-in. When somebody says that they actually get up after 5am, I go, well, that's a bit of a lie-in. We actually get up quite early for this programme. So perhaps we could drag you out of bed a little bit earlier so that you can put the bin out, then you can listen to the radio, and then you can, you can get more crammed into the day. And being Friday, I do like today. I've got nothing planned. Tomorrow, as I say, going off to Essex to see the Godchildren because we've got rugby in Twickenham. And I, I, generally, like, I generally like being around the rugby because it's generally quite good nature. But tomorrow it's Scotland v England. And you know there's going to be lots of drunk Scottish men in kilts up and down the streets and the pubs will be packed and heaving and people will be rubbing their hands going, pray for good weather. And we've got good weather tomorrow. So we've got, we've got good rugby weather. So that's great. So tomorrow, if you're coming to Twickenham for the rugby, I'm sure that you'll enjoy it. It should be a, should be a good game. But there will be lots of people who are, who are well, you know, well, well oiled. I would say. Sometimes people even miss the game. They come down for the excitement of just being caught up in the atmosphere of it all. And there's, I think there should be about 80,000 people in town for it tomorrow. So I'm getting out as quick as possible. I shall, I shall see the aftermath when I come back in again. According to Avril, morning Avril, 
Ainsley Harriet's dad was a famous comedian in the 60s and 70s. He was Chester Harriet, very big in the clubs up north, but was quite definitely quite well known. You think he may have been on the comedians. Chester Harriet. I'll have to check that out because I, 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 didn't, I didn't know about that. I didn't know about that. Uh, many years ago, I went filming for the BBC at a chicken packaging factory somewhere in Surrey. After we'd done the interview, I strolled over to the production line and saw chickens being loaded in a large hopper. And the chickens went through a machine that washed and dried them. They then came down a chute and were split into three directions. One went into a Sainsbury's bag, one a Waitrose bag, and one went into a, a gateway bag. Well, actually, that, that's, uh, there used to be a, a gateways in, in Twickenham. But that's nothing new. When I used to work for United Biscuits, they used to have the lines and they used to make um, pen- excuse me, penguins, penguin biscuits. And they used to come down the line and the line would split. And one, one line side of the biscuit would go into Winfield wrappers, which was, Wait- which was uh, Woolworth's brand name, Winfield. And the other side would go into a well-known supermarket. The same biscuit, exactly the same biscuit. Bourbons, because that's all a penguin is. It's a bourbon biscuit covered with chocolate. And they used to make them at United Biscuits. And I think penguins were made in, and still are, Manchester. Manchester, because I remember all the guys who used to... I went up there to do a factory visit and met the guys, went out on the town, and because they used to listen to us on their, their radios up there. And so I did a, I did a big visit. I used to do it once every three months. We'd go and do the factory visit. Scotland being the worst place, because all the women in the laundry used to supply all the clothes for people in the factories to wear. Used to be drinking at eight o'clock in the morning. They'd be on whisky at 8 o'clock in the morning. So the chances were you'd never get out alive. They could eat you for breakfast, these people. So that's why. So you, you're quite right. It, the, a lot of companies make things for other people. And they do And they do come... To, it's the same product, it's just packaged differently. That's all it is. Many of you um slightly sceptical, I don't know why, actually, of David Beckham and his £3 million that he's giving to charity. He's giving to a children's charity... In France. This is the fee that he's going to get for... Is it Paris Saint-Germain? He's going to be playing for them for six months, but he's going to give all the money away. And it's amazing how much cynicism there is from people saying, oh, well, quite clear. I mean, how is this money being given? Is it going through a, a company? Is it tax-exempt? Can he claim back on the tax? Is it, is it, you know, are, are there sort of benefits for him? Well, the benefit must be that he's got so much publicity. I mean, there are literally every single paper. is either on the front page or there's pages inside on him. Uh, Johnny says, I guess when you have a fortune of many millions, you're hardly going to miss some of it. I'm assuming it must be some sort of tax-efficient method. Those who shout how generous they are make me think it's just more of their oxygen of press which they live by. In reality, they remain shallow people. Well, I mean, we do know that the Beckham family do, in fact, love publicity. There's no doubt about it. It's both courted, and that's why when we have the staged picture of Victoria in a fish and chip shop, I ask you. And now David going to Paris Saint-Germain and he's going to give the £3 million to charity. But he's got a fortune of 190. £3 million doesn't make any difference at all. But the publicity that they've garnered could probably help her launch her clothing range over there in France. Or would certainly provide some inroad. And quite clearly, a lot of people in the papers are, you know, saying what a, a great thing to do. It is a good thing to do. But the, the more cynical among you, and I include myself, have to say, is, is, is this other, other tax advantages? I'm not, I'm not so well up on the tax world that I understand. Uh, love the show, says Jackie. My daughter's type 1 diabetic and wears contact lenses. No problems. Not every day. She prefers glasses. And The Good Life was filmed in Northwood. My, uh, my auntie used to live in Northwood. Uh, well, I think it was, was it Pinner? I just under, you go onto that big, horrible bridge that crosses the road, the big metal bridge. 
and she was over down a uh, road on the left-hand side. We, we, we used to consider it quite posh. We used to go and see, we used to think, we're going round to see her, her posh house, which was very nice. Uh, there was another female cook, says Martin in Leon C. I'm ready, steady cook. Valentina Harris, who specialised in Italian food, only lasted for a couple of series. Do you mean a couple of series or a couple of shows? Probably a couple of shows, I shouldn't wonder. Uh, just about it for this morning. Just about it for this morning. Don't have uh, any more time. I was just going to quickly get here. Uh, says, do you remember the Wheel Tappers and Shunters Club? Cathy says, I think Chester Harriet used to be on it. Well, you can buy Wheel Tappers and Shunters. It's out on DVD, and I promise you, it's, it's, it, it looks dated. It does look dated, because it's got Colin Crompton, order, order, doing that, and then it had, who was that big comedian? Bernard Manning, who died a while ago. He, was, he would always sing a song, and they'd bring on all sorts of people. Uh, Julie Harris was on there. Oh, crikey, I mean, just, just everybody. You know, some really, some really big acts, Bill Haley and the Comets, Gene Pitney. If you get a chance to get hold of it, you can go to Amazon and find it on there. It's really good. Anyway, listen, sadly, no more time. Thank you very much indeed for your company all this week. Thank you very much indeed for the, uh, for the increased audience figures. We're very grateful. And if I could come round and thank you all personally, I would. But sadly, I don't have the time or the inclination. So I shall say, join me on Sunday morning for the best of Steve Allen, and then in conversation. We'll have a free podcast for you up in about 30 minutes' time, and then the main podcast a little bit later on. Nick and the team with you at seven. Hope the weather is kind. Coming up next, the morning news with Susan Bookbinder.